Hello, everybody. You're listening to The Big Chill Podcast. This is episode 40. What's the best excuse for a failed drug test? Welcome, Big Chilians. Let's start by saying hello to the boys. Sam, I know we haven't done this in a while, so I wanted to uh, go back to our icebreaker questions we like to throw out every once in a while. So I got one for you, Sam, coming live from London. Would you rather be an Olympic gold medalist or an astronaut? An astronaut. Why? I mean, <laughs> well, that's pretty... Like, that's pretty awesome right, to go into space. Like, oh, wait, 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 there's the qualifier, right? Am I an astronaut that is going yeah. to space or am I this kind of like trainee who never really gets there and is just waiting for his chance, but then they shut the shuttle program and it sucks. Okay, I'll, I'll give you the caveat. You do go into space, but I can't guarantee your safety. So I, it's not like, it's not as wait, if- I, I, think, I think that's a caveat for most astronauts. Yeah, I know, no, but what no, I'm saying, yes, exactly. What I'm saying is it's not as if I'm saying you're gonna be an astronaut and you have no risk of the fear of being an astronaut going to space. So I think that's what would make me a little hesitant would be, I've got to get into a space shuttle, fly up in something that has previously crashed and burned before. Not yeah. that specific one, but you know, like a previous- I, expedition still, i mean even if i'm just going up to do some repairs on the iss that's fine by me <laughs> like that sounds pretty awesome to have that opportunity to like see the earth that way compared to like getting an olympic gold medal and like rowing yeah i'll take the astronaut i here this this is the qualifier i wanted to know i want to know as an astronaut what i do like what, am I just some random guy who goes to the International Space Station for- You go like, up to space. I okay. can't guarantee what you do in space. Okay, so potentially <laughs> potentially fairly boring activity as far as astronauts go. Like I'm not gonna have any notable achievements necessarily as an astronaut. And then my second question would be, which event am I winning the gold medal in? Kind of what Sam touched on, I think is also important. Because if you told me I'm just an astronaut who like, orbits the earth a couple times and then comes back down versus I win the 100 meters, I'm taking the 100 meters. Really? Yeah, for sure. Much cooler. I think it would have to be a sport that, as inconceivable as it is, there is some precedent that you could compete in and win. <laughs> Whoa. Okay. There's, I mean. So like, you're not, like, you can't win the marathon. Let's, let's put it blunt. <laughs> wow, Eddie. Wow. This is going to make me dedicate the next few months to becoming a marathon runner. <laughs> he was already <laughs> suicidal, Frank. I'd love to see it. <laughs> Just to prove you wrong. I, um, I can't believe you would want to do, go slightly faster than a few people at the 100 meters rather than hurtling around the earth that only maybe 100 people I could have done. be just as dismissive of space travel. Really? Oh, <laughs> lots of people have done it by now, Sam. Been there, done that. I'm not going to the moon, am I? Well, that's, you don't know. It sounds like it's potluck. I feel like, like I know, I feel like I know more 100 meter sprinters than I do astronauts. Okay. How many, I'll give uh, this is a legitimate question. How many hundred meter gold medal winners, like hundred meter Olympic champions have you met? Have I met? Met. 
It's obviously zero, Frank. You're thinking about it. It can be. Oh, wait. I remember that time I bumped into Maury's screen. <laughs> well, I mean, there, enough, there is, there is a met. chance. There you go. Uh, but I have also met two astronauts. So I've met more astronauts than I've met Olympic 100-meter uh, champions. Where, where, where what, is that, what does them? that matter, though? Yeah. just means in my life. And who who were you more astronauts in awe? Of. Astronauts yeah. Who were you more in awe when you met? Um, I had more questions for Maurice Green. Not that I got to ask him them, but I had more questions for him. Really? I, yeah. I mean, he just runs look. If, if you're telling if you're telling <laughs> me that if you're telling me that Buzz Aldrin was there, look, I feel like I know what an astronaut's going to tell me. I'm going to be like, what's it like going into space? He's going to be like, it's amazing. Look, you look down at Earth and you see Earth and oh, you see, no. you see, you how... are, you are see, I don't so, think so downplaying that. <laughs> like, what? So you've got a billion questions for like how the knee works for a hundred meter runner. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I really wanted to know his technique, but I'm not, look, being an astronaut is way cooler than anything I do. I don't want to come across that way. Much, much cooler. If there's a butt here. <laughs> but. There always is with Eddie. But like, as I said, I need to know that I'm achieving something that people are going to think. Like, I need some cachet when I come back to Earth. And I think just being an astronaut is not going to get you that cachet. See, now I think it will because I believe there's a lot of people out there who don't know anything about the 100 meter sprint. Whereas everyone knows how cool an astronaut is well first of all they got to believe there's flat earthers they're not believing you <laughs> so you got those people to deal with they're just heckling you or like the buzz aldrin situation you're just gonna have to punch people in the face because they don't even believe that what you're saying is true so I mean, you got those you got those yeah. to deal with and then second of all like i think nowadays You've got this like hipster interest in space, right? It's like how I know all these people when like SpaceX launches or whatever, they get out of this so excited by it, the magnificence of space travel and how inspirational it is. I loved it. I watched the whole four hours of it. But Frank, at least with you, you have a background in science. I can understand <laughs> that you have like an intellectual interest in these kind of things. I have people I who spent their lives just like drinking themselves to death in bars and who've like never had any academic or intellectual pursuits, never done anything. And yet somehow they've had this rebirth as sort of wannabe like astrophysicists or something. Oh, I didn't know. And, I didn't know Vasilis was so into space. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, and, doesn't and, the US have this like thing called Space Force now? Doesn't it have like a branch of the military called uh, Space yeah. Force? Yeah, and this yeah. is the one thing I'll defend Trump on. I think I've actually defended him a couple times now. But people mocked him for calling it Space Force. I don't think Space Force is any dumber than Air Force. We've just accepted Air Force as being, <laughs> we go in the air and we fight if we're like the force in the air. Oh, it's the voice again. It's the voice. <laughs> it's the voice. <laughs> we diverge, right? We had the army and then we had the Navy. We didn't call it the Sea Force. I mean, it, you, but, they called and, the Sea Men. Yeah. Well, <laughs> then we got then we got then we got to the Air Force and from then on we've kind of I think we've got literal namings of new military branches. So Space Force isn't that ridiculous. It depends. Like the only thing I would give Eddie is that I'd rather like what about an astronaut from like the Armageddon film? 
Like that sounds awful. Oh, that oh, would be that. awesome. Like, no, oh, I'm, no, I'm, no I'm, doubt. I'm that Are guy. Are you kidding I'm, me? I'd be Bruce Willis in a heart. You're Bruce Willis in that. Wait, yeah. Bruce Willis dies. <laughs> Fine, but I go out a hero. That's no. Okay. So, so would legacy. you go out a hero if no one knew that you did it? Would you? Well, be then okay? you're not a hero, Sam. No, they all know you're who a hero did it to at like the, the five people on board. No, you're a hero to the whole world. Yeah, Bruce there's going to be the books world. and books written about Bruce Willis at the books end of that. Books and books, Sam, not just books. <laughs> books and about books. Books, books about- and <laughs> books, and then books about the books. Exactly. Books about the guy <laughs> who wrote the books about the guy. That's how yes. big he's going to be. Yes. <laughs> I mean, what about you? Did you really pull my word? No, I didn't need to... I, I know his name. His name is Harry. No, Stemper. I know. I can see you. I can tell you didn't look it up. Wow. Again, you're just a guy who cannot remember what he had for breakfast. But you've just pulled Bruce Willis's name in Armageddon, and it's increasingly <laughs> concerning. By the way, you know why? Because I loved Armageddon 15 to 20 years ago. Again, Wait, do you not love it now? It's an amazing film. No, but here's the other issue. Every time you talk about pre, like movies from the past and you name when you love them, you never love them when you came, when they came out. It's hard. Like Armageddon. How old is Armageddon? Out, it must have come out in like 99, I'm guessing late 90s. I said probably, 15, 20 years ago. 15 years ago is 2005. 20, 15 to 20 years ago. Okay. Okay, you're at the upper echelons like, of your it, estimate. It used to take about two years for it to go to VHS or to Laserdisc. Maybe in New Jersey. Wait, laser. Rest, rest of the world got, got VHS way faster than two years after release. Wait, wait, laser disc is just DVD, right? I mean, like, what's a laser? I've never heard it called laser disc. There was a period. You never heard of laser disc? Laser discs were a thing, yeah. They were like really big, basically was, like DVDs. In the same way that um, VHS killed uh, whatever it was called. The radio rivaled. star? Yeah, I was. <laughs> <laughs> what was the video to? Oh, God damn it. Was what it was like the beta, radio? Betamax? What was the, or Betamax, beta, exactly. Betamax. The same way that VHS killed Betamax, DVDs kind of killed the Laserdisc. Oh, I remember. Like the same... We used to have was tons it? of them. So yeah. many Laserdiscs. We wasn't were highly this... invested in the Laserdisc. Because Sony did DVD. Wasn't it like Toshiba that did some HDD? Some they no, that's like different. That's Is that different? different? Yeah. Uh, okay. And then you had the the passion of mine, and my dad's Blu-ray, which was the the mini disc for music. Oh wow! Oh, yeah. fully on board in the mini discs. I'm probably in a for my age group of people, right? Because the mini disc burned bright, but burned <laughs> briefly. The mini disc. I actually remember going to stores and buying albums on mini disc, mm. which is inconceivable now. Like the fact to even think of buying an album blows my mind like the fact that i go into a store now anywhere anywhere and they actually sell audio albums kind of stuns me but i think they sell them for young people to buy old people that, that's the only reason right, I to buy old me. you mean buy for no, old people yeah not <laughs> no to buy old, they don't people. Just see old people on the, it's the currency <laughs> it's the currency you use to buy old people I like, think I saw that in an episode of Black Mirror. <laughs> yeah, like 28 Andrea Bocelli CDs will get you one person age 95. It's uh, a horrible uh, slaver's market. I don't really understand how they make money. Because even my dad, I think, has stopped buying CDs, which is kind of remarkable. Because he was someone who was buying, I think at one point, probably at least a CD a week. 
and <laughs> just to, wait was it just to buy a cd a week or kind of he would go he he got to a point where he exhausted having bought anything he was ever interested in or anything he'd ever like read a good review about or was ex- sort of interested in getting and instead he would just go and buy album names or band names that he found to be amusing amusing wow. so, he, so not even some, potentially good just amusing sometimes he would be surprised and he'd be like ah this is actually a good album but a lot of the times it was just purely motivated by this name made me chuckle while I was in the store. So I bought it. I mean, what? even crazier than that. Do you remember when singles used to be a thing? You would actually buy like yeah. one track yeah. on a CD. And yeah. I was also thinking, do you remember, uh, maybe they didn't have it in, in England or UK, but when you used to have the company that would send you like a printout of all the CDs they had and you could take them off and kind of yeah. like lick them to the thing and send it back with the CDs that you wanted. Lick them to the thing. Wait, wait, what? They were like stamps. They had yeah. the CDs Stick, that were available yeah. and you could get like 10 CDs for a dollar and then you'd have to do like a monthly service after that. I, I understood what you were saying. Just the idea, just your description of licking them to the thing as if, <laughs> as if you were you to lick the, the CD stamps to the paper. But that was, it was so weird. It was such a strange thing to think about. I, I can confirm that that wasn't in the UK. No. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do remember the times when like the top 40 would be on, on like a Sunday and yeah. you yourself would record it and you would have this amazing stop start when the radio like presenter or DJ is talking because you would want to stop it when they're talking and then start it just as the next song was about to. So you had this amazing tape of like 40 songs. It was actually an art that's died. Yeah. Young people, they don't know how good they've got it. Huh? But I mean, and similarly too, right? Like this week, Spotify has released all those. I mean, we've had to see it everywhere on social media. So right? annoying. People so... time after time being like, now I will say this, the people who have posted on their social media that the Big Chill podcast was in their top five on their Spotify most played podcast, those I've appreciated, those people are doing it right. But if you didn't have the Big Chill on it and you're just telling me that The weekend was one of your most five played songs, I don't give a shit. And, like, and for those of you that did have it in the top five, we'll be sending you a very nice holiday gift. So we if won't. you do, post it. We, we, <laughs> hold on. Hold on. It'll, it'll be some lick CD stamps from Frank. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> when our swag comes out, when we finally have merch and we have our first merch drop. Then... Sam the Squid t-shirt. Yeah, yeah exactly. there, will be, there will be a founder's edition and people like you will be remembered. Yes, exactly. <laughs> You've and those that a... you didn't post, you will also be remembered. <laughs> there will be retribution as well as founders. There'll be a retribution edition as well as a founders edition. Now, this is the question, real question then. Would you rather be in the founders edition of the Big Chill podcast or an astronaut? That's not even a question. That's, there's, there's no... <laughs> I feel like I can only lose because if I say astronaut, which everyone inevitably should you're just going to scream at me for the lack of dedication to this podcast. I want to know. I, I mean, sometimes I look at our data, right? And I see the countries in which we have listeners, which is a growing number and and surprisingly large list. But I can't wait until we get the International Space Station yeah. on that list. That's get the ISS work on. on there. Maybe we do have around 20 people who are in unknown locations. Perhaps Ooh. that's them. Yeah. yeah probably just aliens. Yeah. Sometimes the, the data that it provides... It, <laughs> I don't know if they constantly have a VPN on or something, or they're just in some odd location where it can't accurately track where they are. But 
We have around 20 listeners, which is a relatively small percentage of our total listenership, but uh, around 20 listeners where it can't tell me which country they're in. I, I'm hoping that those are people that have to hide their VPN because they're in a country that doesn't allow them to listen. And they're so dedicated to getting our content that they're willing to risk their lives to listen to the Big Chill podcast. You so, say that, we, but we've got, we've got like a listener in Palestine and we've got a listener in Hong Kong. We've got listeners in China. I feel like we've got listeners in countries where I wouldn't expect people to be listening and where they yeah. might be risking their lives already. So these unknown, I mean, unless they're in North Korea, that's basically the only place that could get maybe a little bit more dangerous to be listening to us. Not that Palestine is dangerous to listen to the media, I don't think, but certainly China. I don't know if we're necessarily, uh, I don't know what the Chinese government would think about some of our content. We've never said anything against the Chinese authority. So and just to put it out there, and if the Chinese government is listening, they can sponsor the podcast. I'm happy to have. <laughs> that uh, would be that would be one of the best plugs <laughs> like to yeah. ever do is to plug I'm, the Chinese government. I'm happy to do some plugs for like the little red book. I'm not. I've got no. I've got no <laughs> no qualms about that. Discount codes for that. Yeah, that's fine. The, the other question that I had that I was going to ask, but I already know the answer to, especially for Eddie, was if you were alone on a desert island, no, if you were left on a deserted island with either your worst enemy or no one, which would you choose and why? And I oh, thought I that was just too easy for know, Eddie. I want to know really? Eddie's worst enemy now. You don't think he's going to put his worst enemy so his no. the rest of his life can just be trolling that person? It's 100%. what he does now. 100%. what he does now. He's in lockdown in Paris just trolling people on the internet. 100%. I'm taking my worst enemy. Look, I think you take your worst enemy for company anyway. I mean, probably over time, you'd probably become friends unless your worst enemy had legitimately done something just awful to you in your life. I don't have any worst enemies on that level, right? I'm not, I don't have like, a, I'm not hunting the person who, who like murdered my parents. But um but like but assuming it's just someone who like mildly annoys you at work and you're just trying you just really you just take them and then yeah you either give them a shot to try and make it up to you and make life a little bit more th living through camaraderie or you just openly start hating them and your life is just making them as miserable as possible on that island what a person <laughs> to the level that I might even at some point ruin a possible rescue just to be just to enjoy their disappointment. You know, like you'd have the moment where like kind of like that scene from the Simpsons where he, where Homer shoots down the rescue plane with a flare gun. I, I might do that just intentionally just watch the just watch the joy just like their eyes light up as they see this plane coming towards us and then just take full on dead aim with the flare gun and shoot it down. It totally would. <laughs> oh no i i mean i think people listening might think this is like some character i'm playing 100 percent would do it no that is not a character <laughs> now this spins me off i was watching for those who are listening who aren't aware i'm a blackburn rover supporter and they had a relatively important victory uh, last night against millwall in a, with an injury time winner from adam armstrong i then made the mistake i suppose of reading some Millwall uh, fan message boards just to see what the Millwall supporters response was oh, to the oh the last minute defeat 
some of the most vile and hateful. Yeah, I was going to say, not, I mean, the most, just, not the most enjoyable part of London. No, I mean, living up to everything anyone would have ever thought about Millwall supporters. And uh, as part of it, it got me thinking, because uh, a couple of them, so some of it was just pure anger and a lot of the C word getting thrown out constantly and insults about people being Northern. That was there a lot. Um, and then... But a few of them said, well, at least at least it was a, a good match until the end. At least we we kind of went right there. We just lost it at the death. We probably deserved a bit more, but it's a shame. And that got me thinking, would you rather lose a match right at the end, like like they did, or would you have rather lost 4-0? Uh, I would easily rather lose right at the end because then oh. at least you felt as if you were in it. I'd say the okay qualifier is the four nil. Did they score early, and then it was just yeah. goal after goal every fifteen minutes, twenty yeah. minutes. Say whatever sport. Say if it's football, it's four nil, and you were three nil down at halftime. If it's American football, it's like thirty one zero at halftime. Like the game is fundamentally over and done with by thirty percent, forty percent into the match. I'm. I'm going with that because as a fan, it, you, it it becomes a lot more easier to swallow when you just realize you were never in it in the first place. Whereas it's so Oh, annoying. wait, am I a fan or am I, am I playing in the match? Either one. I, I'm going to say as a fan. Say fan because this was based off the Millwall fans' reactions, right? I don't know how the players felt. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm going with that as a fan. I think it's easier just when you know you're getting spanked from minute one. And yeah, just, have, no, I have the hope. I think you'd rather lose at the end because at least that way you can say you'll have to suffer more, but at the same time, at least you can say in your head, we were at that same level. We just lost it at the very end. You know, like we were just as good if one little thing at the very end turned out differently, we, we could have won. Versus if you lose four nil, it's like, oh, obviously we weren't anywhere near as good as that team. We didn't really deserve to be in the, the match. You know, so like the, it, yeah, the, the heartbreak will hurt more, but then you can rationalize it better by saying, you know, at least we deserved to be in that match. Like we could have won it. We are a good team. I mean, here's, here's the thing, right? You remember those last minute losses or those heartbreaking losses. Like just think of like England against Germany in the penalty shootout <laughs> in 96. Compare it to like, I remember. Yeah, come on, Frank, you can't forget that. <laughs> no one can forget that. <laughs> Never forget R.I.P. But compare it to, say, RIP. a year or two ago, I think England got trounced by the Netherlands in the Nations League semi-final. Never in it from minute one. I was pissed off throughout the game, but by the end of it, I've, I've completely forgotten about it. I was like, we, we were shit and deserve to lose. And that's the other part of it. I would say usually if you're going to get spanked 4-0 and they're just better than you, I think it's easier just to come to terms with you were beaten on the day and you were, they were better then it is like a heartbreaking loss where you could have 30 shots, you could be absolutely destroying them, and then they nick it at the end. See, I disagree with you. And I think fundamentally to me, this is like kind of hard for me to express properly, but I actually think the most enjoyable thing about being a football supporter, uh, a, a sports supporter in general, fundamentally, is coming close but not winning. That the disappointment is heartbreaking, but it's the heartbreak that like keeps you attached. 
that you is that, is that how you rationalize your your deposit after above, deposit in bet three six five he's got that above his I mirror just, every morning like written no but i just think if i think winning is boring i don't i'm 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 eternally grateful for the fact that most of the sports teams that i have de- developed a lifelong passion for are fundamentally not winners and I think life would be so much more boring. I don't, I look at Manchester United supporters, or if I look at New England Patriots supporters, or, you know, whoever it is, I don't know how you stay interested. I just feel like you're rereading the same book. And to me, the heartbreaking last minute crushing defeat, even though in the, in the moment, it might be the most painful thing you've ever experienced in some respects. It's that thing that just like keeps you in there. And that is such an epitome of your betting philosophy. It's unbelievable. It explains so much about you. It's amazing. I just I think it explains a lot about my life in general. Another one loss. I yeah. gotta get back in there. I, I can win it. It's it's I, like he is the gambler's fallacy in a, yeah. like, in not, a, in a moment. But I think I don't want to win even... this bet. I want to lose the bet so that way I can rebet and win that bet. <laughs> <laughs> it's not. It's not. I like I said. I think it extends to other areas of my life. I don't limit it just to sports or anything. But I do think that fundamentally, like I, I'll put it this way. I think if Blackburn, I I'm if Blackburn got back to the Premier League. Like I like the fact that I can hope that they win the championship. I can hope that they get promoted. And whilst that's a huge success, it's uh, one where there's more success to hope for, right? Um, like if England won the World Cup, take it in football, isn't every World Cup after that less interesting? No. Really? Once every four years. No, it's not like yeah, there's a constant on. thing happening about it. There's always a new team. There's a new field. Well, there's a new location. It's it's always different, the World Cup. You could take the Triple Crown as a pretty good example. So leading up to American Farrell winning, you know, it was all the rage. You know, is there going to be a Triple Crown? Is there going to be a Triple Crown? And then Farrell won and then Justify won the next year and no one really cared. Yeah. And, and, and you could argue that Justify was probably the better horse of American Pharaoh between those two. So, yep. and even with that, it got much less publicity than American Pharaoh. People don't even remember Justify compared to American Pharaoh. I think more people and, know and American general, Pharaoh, the name. Yeah. No, and I think just, to me, I just, the, the part of the excitement of a World Cup is that thought that this might be the year. But once you've done it already, it's not that this might be the year. It's that this might be another year. And to me, that's far less interesting. I mean, like the, the French, moment I would... It, the French tore Paris apart, didn't they, after their World Cup they win? They do that all the time. It's <laughs> <laughs> on lockdown now. They're still tearing Paris I actually, apart. I was actually kind of... I didn't even need to goad you. I was kind of just waiting for a reaction and I knew I was going to get it. It's true. Honestly, it tearing, Paris, true. tearing Paris down right now and we're on lockdown, so if they won the world cup it would it would probably not it would go unnoticed i mean it's like that famous fact right when when france won um uh, i think it was when france went on their good run to the euros and then they were commenting on the number of uh, cars that were being burned they were like using that look how excited france is they're they're burning cars and then there was one that was like actually this is less than the average 
<laughs> it, it seems like a really impressive number, but more on a normal on a normal day in July, there are more cars burned than this. I love how I most want... most places would do like, oh, there's a lot more people in bars, or the tubes are busier at a later hour. Your metric is cars burn. Look, I, and I don't want to be one of those. Be- I don't want to try being portraying this as like I live in this awful socialist country and Americans should hate it. France is a wonderful place and people are a lot of times are tearing the country apart for the right reasons. Um, but yeah, it's one of those things, any excuse to get out and, and break a few things in the street, the French love it. That That is their national pastime more than any sport. And they are also fundamentally the worst fair weather supporters in the world. That's the one area where it will be the most critical of France. Well, one of our one of our best friends and average readers said the same thing. Like readers, like he's he, well, <laughs> listeners. He, he, he reads the script. <laughs> well, that must be but, painful. <laughs> but um, he mentioned last night about the Man U defeat, and he said, like, if there's a set of fans that I w- do not want to lose to, it's Paris Saint Germain fans. So, oh, I have an idea of who this listener is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I have, and was, I have a feeling he was not happy. We haven't, we haven't sent you the transcript, I guess. No, I sent him some fan. of them. I oh, sent him some of them. It is some brutal. of the, it is some of the angriest, even by his standards, some of the angriest that he's been in recent times. It was quite a vicious attack on, on the referee and on several PSG players. <laughs> <laughs> they are a very unlikable team. Oh yeah, I mean we we dedicated an entire podcast to this fact. Yeah. yeah. I mean this yeah. is this is old ground for us, but yeah, they are they are not not a great team. I mean that in the sense of their character, not in terms of the quality of their football. Speaking of Champions League results, I Frank um when it comes to English football, I think I have a new favorite player for you. I, the, separate my original not when it comes to english football when it comes to world football i think i have a new favorite player for you and it's because someone unexpected quoted one of your favorite sort of sayings from english football so what is your what is one of your when you think of can you do it on a rainy saturday in stoke well, yeah, not a rainy Saturday, but not a rainy, a rainy Wednesday, isn't it? It's a, it's a cold, wet Tuesday. I right. Cold, wet Tuesday, it's Wednesday, midweek. A rainy Saturday. Can you do it on a regulated day of sport? Yeah. <laughs> can you yeah. do it in Can you do it in a dome with no crowd? Very specific. Can you do it at an official three, three o'clock kickoff on a Saturday? Um, Yes, you are correct. The rainy, the rainy day in Stoke reference. Rainy, cold, and Stoke, which is one of your that. favorite. Um, Love it. Frank says it all the time. Well, it it was it was <laughs> obviously not fully correct. I don't say it. But. No. Well, someone who also didn't say it in a fully correct way a couple of nights ago, and someone who you wouldn't have expected to reference it in a match that you where you wouldn't have expected to have heard it was Thomas Muller after Bayern Munich's one-all draw with Atletico Madrid. And in his post-match interview, talking about the fact that it was a little bit of a struggle and maybe not the prettiest match in the world, he said, it's like the English say it, you have to show it on a windy night in Stoke. <laughs> nice. He then went on to say it wasn't particularly windy, <laughs> but you got the picture. Such a German trend. Was it? So he said it in German, or was he? No, he said it in English. He was being interviewed by. uh, He speaks excellent English. I mean, he does. He speaks very, very good English. But no, it was just kind of funny listening to him say it because at the moment I heard him say it, I knew how much Frank would love it. And then also, you're right in the way that it was kind of like 
this weird German translation of it as if they'd taken the <laughs> concept of the struggle and just turned it into this like mechanical exercise. Yeah. Like, can you do it in a windy night in Stoke? Yes. Could you do it <laughs> on an inconvenient weather night in British location? Could you do it in, in non-optimal climate yeah. conditions? Exactly. <laughs> this was good, but when things became slightly more challenging, would you also be able to do it? <laughs> Oh, it's like good. someone it's like someone google translated it for them yeah <laughs> but it was funny and he was really pleased with himself he made himself laugh so um so yeah I thomas muller now now because uh muller isn't the person you would usually le levy that like levy that the idea is like a spanish player like someone with flair and creativity and style would usually have that levied at them right you know like Wait. messy was Messi was brought up when that Man City thing was going up. Someone mentioned it, like, could Messi do it on a cold Tuesday night in Stoke? And it's, I think that's who it's levied at. I wouldn't really, there's not many German players that I would say but, would have a problem with. No, no, I think Thomas Muller is extremely well suited to playing in the Premier League. Um, would have had a fantastic career if he'd moved to the Premier League. At a, I mean, he's 31 now, he'd still be great, but if he'd moved earlier on, he would have been great. And speaking of the prospect, I guess, of... Uh, Thomas Muller moving to the Premier League, the visa requirements, work permit situation for the Premier League, well, for the Football League in England, post-Brexit, so that will come into effect as of January of 2021, or finalized this year. And it's going to make things a little bit interesting. I mean, they're not the most excited. Not Basically, it's a point system based on uh, if you've played international football, how good the international team you've played for, if you've made under 21 caps and senior caps, um, how many first team appearances you've then made in domestic football, the quality of the team that you're coming from, their sort of uh, continental coefficient. And to me, the thing that bothers me about it is I don't think it will change much for teams at the top because obviously the players that they tend to sign will probably have enough points also, I think the size of the transfer, the scale of the tr transfer is also factored in. So obviously, even if you're signing an unknown player, if you're spending 50 million pounds on him, he's going to get a work permit. So for top clubs, it doesn't matter. And in addition to this, you already see all of the top clubs now um, taking charge of smaller teams in Europe so that they can have a feeder club system that's even more advanced than the feeder clubs have been in the past. To me, it seems like this is just going to punish smaller teams because the type of foreign player that you would sign is not going to meet the requirements under this new point system. And in addition to that, you're not going to be able to set up the uh, sort of necessary system in place to be able to send someone out on loan for a couple of years before then they qualify and then they come back to you. Yeah. I think what's the shame about it is that one of the great things that smaller clubs in the Premier League do is they find these kind of hidden gems, maybe in like Eastern European leagues or, you know, even further abroad into like kind of South America. And it's just going to make that harder. And it's, it's not going to, you're not going to have as many opportunities with that. And also probably what it's going to do is it's going to inflate transfer fees, right? Because now British clubs will know that there'll be a certain amount of money they have to put forward to make it look credible enough to then pass these exemptions and I think it, that's all it's going to do. It's going to inflate people because they know for a British club, they have to justify it to the authorities more to go against this point system. But then it's also, I think you're just going to see less of these, you know, like 
I know it's a bad example. It's a really bad example because it's wrong. But like the Anelkas, when they get signed for like 500K and then suddenly become these incredible players, like that's a great thing to see. And I, I think these rules are just going to restrict it. I also saw that they now restrict under 21s overseas to like six. And that just, I, you could look at it two ways. You could say that English clubs have to look closer to home now and homegrown talent will develop and stuff like that. But I mean, the crop that England have at the moment is good and it hasn't had those restrictions. So I, I think it's only detrimental. To be honest, the whole thing's pretty de- detrimental, but yeah, specifically this. Yeah, no, it's not as if this is the only downside to Brexit, but it's definitely not one of the positives. And ironically, it's probably going to be the way that many people who voted in favor of leaving are going to be have the most the, the sort of clearest impact on their lives. I know that they'll have bigger impacts in terms of the cost of living and all sorts of different things, but football supporters who voted to leave and who do not think about are unable to kind of see the significance of certain sort of government policies in terms of how their day-to-day life is lived are now going to have an understanding of the fact that they can't sign this player from Spain because he doesn't qualify for a work permit. Yeah, so it's it's interesting what you say about people that kind of they don't know the realities of their vote until they actually do it. Like, um, have you seen recently with this vaccine coming out for COVID? Um, they a lot of the airlines have now come out and basically said, well, we're going to make it a requisite that you have the vaccine in order to fly with the airline. And that's I, that's completely the right way of doing it. And it's interesting that you get all these people coming out about saying, you know, like, oh, it's got microchips in and the government are going to be able to detect your location and stuff like that. And then when they're questioned, when they're like, well, you won't be able to travel to Ibiza next summer, all of a sudden they're like, well, oh, I guess if I've got to have the vaccine, I'll have the vaccine. And it's amazing how people change from these pie in the sky theories when they're actually hit with a dose of their reality. And so I, I just thought that was interesting. Yeah. Plus we're all scared, right? About the government tracking what we're doing and yet we'll download apps and give it full authorization to track our movements and know where we are at all times and to like share data with other apps. That's not scary. We're fine with Facebook having all our data, but the government, that's, that's not good. Yeah. The government's usually a terrible starting point for data collection and retention, isn't it? It's, it's so dumb. The whole vaccine thing's so dumb. And but also anyway. Just, yeah. Just to make a point, by the way, the British medical guy that came out today and he was like the reason we approved it quicker was because we're better than france belgium and america (laughs) it's just like what a moron sorry i just wanted to say that but what an absolute moron maybe he's right but talking about a uh, point system being used to just determine whether or not people get work permits over the course of this nfl season we have been using a point system to determine how good we are at picking games and i have Uh... only (laughs) <laughs> I, I, the last two have been and yeah the muller one was okay this one a bit of a long-winded one but okay, i like getting live i get live good live <laughs> feedback to my segues um so this time i have our scores from after week 13 uh after week 12 even sorry 12. i wish i could give wish i could give us our scores after week 13 that might help me out a little bit uh it's fair to say that no one had a catastrophic week first time in a while that everyone did Oof. okay <laughs> Um, we actually, we, the disappointment for us is we all went six for eight against the spread. So, and I will say this, we all had a number of teams, a kind of backdoor covers set on several occasions. 
that hurt us where we picked a lot right that backdoor tight yeah i mean the steelers the backdoor cover uh just a number of them where uh, eagles eagles yeah quite a few where we we uh could have done a little bit better but that takes our against the spread record i am now 86 85 and 3 uh frank you are 80 91 and 3 and Sam, you are also 80, 91, and three. So the, the two of you remain inseparable. Um, in, oh, our money line, in our money line picks, I went nine and nine for five, nine and five. Uh, Sam also went nine and five, and Frank went 10 and four. Oh, suck it. <laughs> and so that means that I am now 121, 52, and one. Uh, Sam is 108, 65, and one. And Frank is 110, 50, uh, sorry. 110, 63, and one. Hang on, hang on. There's got to be a mistake here because I was ahead of Frank last week on the against the spread, and we both tied. No, this you're, week. You're, you're sorry. Yeah, you're, you're you should be level. I added that up wrong. You were one ahead last week, and you are now. If you see there's an error in them in the in the here, you if you're looking at the spreadsheet, if you see I in one, I, I can't got, trust any of these results. Every week. We've got errors every week. <laughs> there's something of, wrong with the spreadsheet. Hey, it must be. Last time be I nice checked, Excel ever. can sum. <laughs> I'm not going to throw any oh. under the bus, but I did have to correct the money line because you did get them wrong as well. You actually had me down as eleven and three. Oh. <laughs> so I had to change it. Oh, I see what's going on here. This. Oh is, yeah, I love this self sabotage. <laughs> yeah. Okay, I'll tell you what. We'll clear this up, and next episode I will come back with clear numbers and i really 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 hope that frank looks even worse yep. after i've yeah, adjusted that. i hope okay that that's okay okay pennsylvania really georgia <laughs> yeah but i'm i'm fairly i think the numbers are are accurate it's just that this week's additions were not good but there is the the fundamental uh, base the numbers are are good yeah and i'm going all in this week <laughs> oh dear oh yes because it must be said oh, that's gosh. the week there were no winners. Uh, Sam Raiders. and I, who had an, had an identical bet of the week, both lost on the Raiders. And Frank, your bet of the week lost on the Cardinals. Cardinals and the Rams, I think, too. No, you didn't have the Rams. Oh. But you did have the Cardinals. And Thanks, Cardinals. And I so, didn't even get a free coffee. So I am down to, I'm back where I started at 100,000 fictional dollars. Uh, Frank, you are down to twenty thousand fictional dollars, and yes. Sam, you are down to ten thousand fictional dollars. <laughs> Nine. Well, we are really we are good at this, guys. <laughs> Nine lost in a row. Do Let's not do down. not include me in this. I am at least breaking even. I'll take breaking even. Uh, the fact that I'm going to win this simply by not. Oh, hang on. See, this is what I hate, though. You're because you're gonna, you're both now gonna take adventurous. You're not gonna take bets that you would actually advise. You're gonna take adventurous bets, thinking that if they win, no, I I advise my bet today. My bet is a nice little tidy two to one. Okay, all right, that's acceptable. I just don't want you suddenly to be like. Oh, good. I'm glad it's acceptable. No, but you you can see what I mean. I don't want you to suddenly be like taking a forty to one shot, being like, if it wins, I'm winning the competition. If it loses, I was going to lose anyway. So who cares? (laughs) Totally will. Totally might change it as we do our picks now. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just going to go all in on like a one to (laughs) fifteen. Slowly chip away. Yeah. It would be the smartest thing to do. 
Yeah. Let's stay in the fight, right? All right. So I guess, should we go into the picks? Sure. Cool. So, um, Bengals at the Dolphins, and Dolphins are 11 and a half point favorites. I've not got a lot to say in this one um, in a sense that I just think that the Bengals are so bad now that obviously picking them to not lose is impossible. I'm going to assume that Tua is not going to play in this game and that Fitzpatrick will be starting, which I think certainly against bad teams is probably of help. I, I definitely think in terms of picking them to cover such a big spread, it might be I think you got a better chance with Fitzpatrick than you do with Tua of a blowout. Just because the way he plays, you know, like if everything works well with Fitzpatrick, they could score 40 or 50 points. Um, I'm torn because I don't think the Dolphins are all that amazing. But I am going to take the Dolphins to cover the spread. And I don't really like that I've done it. Okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm not too dissimilar i mean they covered the spread didn't they against the giants um but it was that huge um was 103 yards what is it like the second longest return in the history or something like that so i mean they they had a couple of things go their way that meant they covered it and when you when you really look at it i i, I can't see the bengals really scoring past like 15 in this game they really didn't have anything to drive them in the previous game against the Giants. They're coming up against a better team. Uh, it's it's a pretty unfortunate one for the Bengals, but yeah, I'll take the Dolphins and the cover, even though same as Eddie, the spread worries me on this one. Yeah, I'll take the Dolphins to win. I'll take the Bengals with the spread. Would you say it was 11? 11 and a half. Oh, way better. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll take the Bengals. I, I, I just don't I don't know who's starting for the Dolphins. And I think, like Eddie said, that's a very accurate statement. If Tua does start. So supposedly it's still Tua's team and he has been practicing. So if they're still going to give him the ball to, as a starter, then I would be okay taking the Bengals because I don't think Tua can put up that many. I think right now they just want him to be more of a, a game manager. And 11 and a half is a lot of points. So... I'll, I'll take the Bengals. Not Thursday a game night. I'll be watching. Like Eddie yeah, the Thursday night games really have been pretty uninspiring this year. When it's you, not Thursday. When it's not Thursday. It's, oh, there are no Thursday ones. Oh, yeah. okay. We once again get treated to the magic of a double Monday and a Tuesday night game. Great. There's actually a lot of uh, big spreads this week um, when you look at them. It's... And in our last episode, right, we discussed the potential inconsistencies in terms of when the NFL was delaying or postponing games. They basically came out and made a statement saying that they would only postpone a game if they thought it was for medical purposes, as in that the game being played put more people at risk. They will not postpone a game if it's a uh, Broncos-like situation where you are simply missing players. If they think that you can then limit the spread of the virus to the players who are then not involved, they will play the game regardless of who it is and who it leaves the team with. Now, that will be interesting to see when you get to the playoffs or if potentially you had a Super Bowl and you know the Chiefs, for example, are in the Super Bowl and Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, and Tyreek Hill 
all test positive if they go forward and say, no, we can limit this. You're playing the Super Bowl with your backups. You're going to absolute bubble people in the playoffs, aren't you? Like super bubble them. Like you're going to lock them in a room essentially and say, <laughs> say you would definitely think for the Super Bowl, there's no reason not to bubble. Yeah. You would think that there should be a two week. You've got two weeks between the games anyway. And you would think that you'll, they'll travel down to Tampa, put themselves in a hotel and bubble for those two weeks. You would expect that would be the sensible move. Yeah, for sure. Um, right. Next up is the Browns at the Titans and the Titans are five and a half point favorites. I can start this one off. This is a very good one for me to expose the Browns for the weak backdoor playoff team that they are. So I will take the Titans. They're on a roll right now. I think they're just going to keep it going. Uh, it should be said that the Browns do have a pretty good run defense. I think they're top 10 in the NFL. Um, but what I don't think they're going to be able to handle is shutting Henry down while also having to stop Tannehill from throwing because he is a decent quarterback. So I think if they try and commit to stopping the run, I think the Titans can expose them in, in the air. Uh, so I think I'll, I'll go Titans and Titans to cover. Yeah. I mean, this is, this is all about Henry, right? The Titans offense is basically living or dying at the moment by the way Henry performs. And it's interesting to see both teams running because it'll be Henry v. Chubb. Um, but both teams have pretty weak secondaries, I think. And what Frank was saying, I think it will give Tannehill and Mayfield chances to throw, maybe see a lot of like play action going on here where they feign the run because they'll be so reliant on it, um, especially the Titans. But for me, even though Tannehill has been a little bit dropped off a little bit i mean henry has just been an absolute beast at the moment so i'll take i'll take the titans and to cover yeah i mean i look i think this is a really good matchup in many ways for the titans in that you're not going up against an explosive offense and i think they're most at risk when games can go as we've spoken about in the past when games can get out of hand and it can force them to change their game plan and to stop running the ball as their kind of go-to move did find it interesting here, Frank, that this is your opportunity to expose the Browns. I didn't didn't realize you were suddenly involved in the Titans organization in some way. That might change my pick if that's yep. true. Can you can you confirm? Are you going to be playing on Sunday? <laughs> I will not be playing. Okay, then in that case, I will stick with my original thought and I will take the Titans and the Titans to cover. Whoa, whoa, whoa! You're going to take the Titans to cover? Yeah, Mister Browns fan over here. I'm a. I'm not a Browns fan. I consistently pick the Titans throughout the year. Yeah, sure. Pick the Colts last week, then. Yeah, I mean, I did pick the Colts last week, and that was a mistake. But I mean, <laughs> what am I going to do? I'm. I'm a, just because I think and I just, overall think a team is good doesn't mean I'm locked into picking them to win you, every single week. Eddie, just because a quarterback has great commercials on television doesn't mean he's going to be a great player on the field. Okay, you need to write that on the wall and tell yourself that. <laughs> so I touch it every time I leave, like put it above the, the door frame. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Play like a champion. <laughs> yeah. Um. All right, next up. I mean, this might be one of the worst games, right? It's the um, Lions of the Bears, and the Bears are three-point favorites. Um, I mean, 
both teams are pretty fading fast into nothingness right now, aren't they? I don't know what you guys think, but um... yeah. So, so the Bears have lost five straight, and I think the Lions have lost four out of their last five. So, yeah, this is not a good. This is the worst game of the weekend because there yeah. is just there's little reason to think like a lot of other games. Even if they're bad, there's you can spin some storyline that makes them seem interesting. And in this one, I mean, the only thing you could argue here is, I mean, they even they haven't even appointed a new head coach, right? You're just an interim head coach. Right, but at least maybe you can be like, let's see the change after Matt Patricia. The new coach, the like, new coach the theory. New, yeah, do they get? Is there going to be a honeymoon period here for the new coach? It's a great game for him to start off with, um, and actually for that reason, I'm gonna I'm gonna hope for and expect the new coach bump here, and I'm just gonna think that if the Lions in any way put something together and actually look like they care for four quarters, I mean, on Thanksgiving they actually looked kind of decent for a little bit, and then they seem to just mentally check out after like two quarters if they actually play for a full game just because the bears struggle to move the ball and score points i think this is actually a pretty nice matchup for them here's an interesting question for you though is mitch trubisky the worst draft pick of all time i mean it surely has to go to ryan leaf is it though the difference here being they traded up to get him they did trade up and then Patrick Mahomes is then drafted eight picks later and then 10 or 12 picks later you have Deshaun Watson drafted. And in actual fact, when you look through that whole draft, there's a ton of pro bowlers. There's a ton of like very good players in different positions. But just if you were intent on taking a quarterback, the fact that they traded up and then took by far the worst quarterback in that first round and have passed on one quarterback who may now go on to be one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time and another one in Deshaun and Watson. Mahomes. Who, yeah. <laughs> I knew it. I knew I was setting you up for your Texans love. The thing I will agree with you on is coming out of college, Ryan Leaf was still pretty highly regarded. I remember when this draft was coming up, there was a lot of people saying, why are the Bears this interested in Trubisky? You know, there was a lot of praise for Trubisky, but then there was a ton of criticism on Trubisky. You know, he he, he wasn't a, a shoe-in pick. You know, it's not like the past few years when it's, oh, these are going to be the first QBs drafted. They're all clearly super talented. He had a lot of question marks on him. And I, he, I, I believe he only started one year, right? Isn't he the one who only started his senior year? At, North at UNC? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. And it wasn't that great of a year. <laughs> it was more he would just had the prototype of being an NFL quarterback. So in that regard, it probably could be one of the worst ones because there was a lot of teams that wouldn't have even taken him at number two. But then for a team to trade up to get him and have him be this bad is... I, I do feel bad for him, though, when I watch. He... He is someone I genuinely feel bad for because it's just, it's an absolute shit show. He, he was so bad in that game. It was tough to watch. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if I feel bad for him. He seems like a nice person. I will say that much, which doesn't, is not always the case when you talk about professional athletes and especially when you talk about professional football players. 
he actually seems like you could get along with him and have a nice time talking to him. He seems like reasonably intelligent, although he kind of looks stupid. Like it's he's kind of got a dumb face. But <laughs> well, that's that's the wow. type of insight we can provide on the Big Chill podcast. <laughs> he looks stupid with a dumb face. He's well, such I a dumb down, dumb. I break what down his dumb, mechanics. Dumb dumb one. Gum gum. You know, you know what that one's from? No. <laughs> no. Night at the museum. <laughs> oh my god. The Easter Island statue. <laughs> such photographic memory of the most pointless stuff (laughs) that being said i did just look up ryan leaf's career statistics and they are pretty atrocious but i do agree with you i think the difference too is like it was legitimately i mean obviously i was kind of too young to necessarily appreciate the debate at the time but very clearly even if you were in the peyton manning camp it was one of those debates of like these two are both going to be really good which one are you yeah. taking? Whereas the Trubisky one was like, oh, okay, you're interested in that guy. And not that Mahomes was a like home run coming out of college. That does have to be considered oh. here. Like, and Tyreek Hill thought he was garbage. See that quote? <laughs> no. They asked Tyreek Hill something. I, I forget what it was, but he said he thought he was trash when his first year. <laughs> that his initial impression of Mahomes was he was trash. <laughs> wow. It's just because he's a system quarterback anyway. We'll see what he does when Sandy Reid's gone. I mean, just to tie off this game. I mean, I think I think the Bears Lions will be an ugly, low-scoring game. I I think the only reason I'll go with the Bears is because, at least defensively, they look somewhat competent. But I, I don't like it. But I'll I think, take the Bears and cover. I disagree with you, Sam. It's not going to be a low-scoring game. It's going to be a Lions blowout. Well, like 10, 10 three, or something like that. <laughs> I'm going to say Lions are going to score 30, 30 yeah. plus points in this game. I mean, it's Seth and nothing a blowout. <laughs> no. Okay. All right. How many points did you say? The Lions will score 30 plus points. Is that going to be your, are you going to put your the fake week? money where your mouth is? No way. No way. I won't <laughs> no even put way. fake money on this short fire. For thing. two reasons. Even fake money. I don't want to feel suddenly compelled to have to watch this game. So I'm not going to do anything involving this one because one of my goals for Sunday is going to be this falls into the under one minute category and I hope to keep it to under one minute of viewing time for this game. What are you going for? Oh, I thought I had said, yeah, I'll go with the um, the new coach boost as well. Because I just I also just can't pick Trubisky. Is he even starting? Uh, I believe so. Or have so. they moved on? <laughs> no, I believe he's starting. I, I think last time I saw he was. So, um, All right, next up is the Colts at the Texans, and the Colts are three-and-a-half-point favorites. They're becoming annoying to predict at the moment, the Colts, um, aren't they? What's my rule? Take a good team after a loss. And I'm not sure how, exactly how good the Colts are, but they're definitely way better than the Texans. This line should be a lot bigger than it is. This is an overreaction to a bad Colts performance and a fairly decent Texans Thanksgiving performance. This line should be closer to seven points. And I am 100% taking the Colts and the Colts to cover. I'm 100% with Eddie. I was so disappointed when I saw this line came out because I expected it to be six or seven and I was going to drive home the Texans with the spread. But fuck it. I'm going to still take the Texans to cover. 
They're coming off a big win, two in a row. They still got a chance to sneak into those playoffs. <laughs> Wait, what? What are you talking about? What are you talking about? No, I, I no, but no, no. I'm obviously joking. But uh, DeForest Buckner was out last game, and he clearly is an impact player. I mean, they let up 45 points to Tennessee, uh, and from what I've read, he's still going to be out. So with that, that's a huge piece of their defense, which has kind of been one of their strong points this season is their defense. So without the key part, I think that weakens them a little. The only thing that really discourages me from the Texans is Fuller is out from his PED suspension, which we can get into at the end of the podcast. We have um, some PED excuse discussions, Uh, but I'll still take the Texans to cover I will take the Colts to win. That's one back on Frank. Yeah, I'm I'm with Eddie on this one. I think the Colts will win and cover. I think um, the Texans got a pretty weak power rush as well. So I think Rivers will get more time to kind of set up set up the game. And I think the Colts have got enough to stop Watson. So I'm I'm going with the Colts and and to cover as well. As the season gets longer, Rivers gets older. Don't forget it, that. Doesn't everyone get older? Yeah, but with River, Rivers, <laughs> Rivers gets three times. older. Yeah. <laughs> the aging rate is alarming. <laughs> yep. All right. Um, Jaguars at the Vikings, and the Vikings are 10-point favorites. Are we all going for an easy win, Vikings? I definitely think it will be an easy win. 10 points is a lot. And I, I'm going to take the Vikings minus 10 here, but I fundamentally don't think that this Vikings team should be favored by this kind of this number of points. I think their performance a couple of weeks ago against the Cowboys shows you why, because there's just no real guarantees here as to how well they'll perform on all sides of the ball for four quarters. That being said, I just think the Jags are terrible and I'm going to take, so I'm going to take the, the Vikings to win and to cover. Yeah, I think the Vikings will bounce back from the, what was it, Panthers loss as well? Did they lose to the Panthers? I can't remember actually, but the the Vikings. They won. No, they won won and then lost to the, yeah. So I can, I don't know. I I just think this is one of those ones where like, it's more a a vindication of like the Jaguars being terrible. Um, The 10 is a bit worrying, but I think I'm going to take them as well to cover. I don't really have much to say on it, to be honest. Completely, clearly got my research wrong anyway. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so they only beat the Panthers by one, but that that game is really skewed because they had two fumble recovery for a touchdown. You know, they had 14 points off of back-to-back fumble recoveries. So who knows what that truly was. Watching that game, I thought the entire time, how are the Vikings behind and how are they almost going to lose this game? But they ended up winning in the end. What I will say, though, is with the Jaguars, switching on to Mike Glennon seemed to do something for their offense. They actually scored, which is an improvement. And Glennon didn't play bad. I think he, you know, he had two touchdowns, no interceptions. So it's a big improvement. I will take the Vikings to win. And I'm talking myself into the Jags to cover only because 10 is a lot. And 10 is a lot for a team that doesn't win by double digits much 
and a Jaguars team that actually doesn't lose by double digits much. Uh, they got murdered by the Steelers, but that was with what's his face at QB and before Luton at QB. And before that, they had kept games relatively close. So I think they can keep it close, but I think the Vikings will continue their, their trend to potentially backdoor playoff. All right. Um, Raiders at the Jets and the Raiders are nine point favorites. I mean, the Raiders were so flat, right, against the Falcons and they just got completely shut out. But I I can only see, I guess, Eddie, I don't even want to call it Eddie's rule. It makes him start to vindicate that it is actually his rule. It is my but rule. It is a competent team bouncing back. And I mean, the Jets are just completely lifeless. So for but me, this I'm is taking two the losses in a row. This is two losses, not one so, loss. Take them to come back doubly hard then. But their other <laughs> loss, their loss two weeks ago against the Chiefs was almost a moral victory. So I'm going to consider it just one loss. The thing I'll say is I don't know if the Raiders totally qualify as a good team. I know we've spoken about them being disrespected in the line and by us and by others at times. Um, I'm not sure exactly how I feel about them overall. That being said, they're on the cusp of being a good team and the Jets are so bad that then it balances out that this falls into my rule because the gap between the two teams is so significant that this falls into the, I just, I don't know anyone expecting the Jets to be to win between now and the end of the season. I don't know. I mean, I don't know who, like which team they're watching. Um, so yeah, I'll take the Raiders to win into cover. So yeah, this is tough. I agree with Eddie. I don't know how you can pick the Jets to win. The Raiders just looked so bad, though. You know, it was 43 to 6, and it wasn't as if it were 43 to 6 that should have been closer. I mean, David Carr didn't really look that great. Jacobs uh, got injured, I believe, right? And I think he's still out. So that is a worry. If they don't have any run game and you have to rely on David Carr, that's a little concerning for them because they are really good when they can play action off of Jacobs because he's been a pretty formidable running back this year. But it's the Jets. And, I mean, obviously, I'll take the Raiders to win. And what spread are you giving me? Uh, Nine. So a two-score. Yeah, I'll still take the Raiders. Shows how bad the Jets are, really. They, you know, their team comes off such a trouncing, basically, and yet still comes out as a minus nine. All right, next up is uh, Saints of the Falcons. Um, and the Saints are three-point favorites. So what do you guys think? It's a tough one because this is what looks on paper like an explosive offense against what looks on paper to be a struggling offense. And surprisingly enough, the explosive one, the Falcons, and the struggling is the Saints despite their records. That being said, I think the Falcons' win last week was really misleading. Even though they won by 37 points, they only gained 4.2 yards play. So it was one of these weird, and they only had 304 total yards. So it was one of these weird games where they kept getting good field position and they kept being sort of perfect, if not spectacular in their execution. Uh, And for that reason, I think this is a nice matchup for the Saints because I think they're actually, they're going to win this one with their defense, not with their offense. And their kind of run first approach with Taysom Hill is going to mean that they're going to control the clock in a way, a lot better than they would even with Drew Brees. So even though I have real questions about the limitations of this Saints team 
at the moment uh, because of their quarterback situation, I'm going to take the Saints to win and to cover. I mean, just on top of that, right, they've only given up one touchdown in the last three matches. So whatever's happening offensively, they're absolutely on fire defensively. And Well, the, let, hold on, hold on, hold on. They, I mean, they, they are played, like last two games, the, what, seven and three? They played the Broncos last week with, their, yeah. with a quarterback who was a salesman. Yeah, they shut out the Niners before. as well. Ten? Yeah. I mean, a few games I mean, ago. Don't know if that's shut out, but yeah. But you know what I mean. It's, it's the only one, it's the only touchdown they've um, led in in the last three is that first quarter one against the um, 49ers. But I, th- I think they're on fire at the moment, the Saints defense. And the thing is, like, the Falcons did shut the run game down really well against the Raiders, but also ran the ball pretty well themselves. But I think the Saints are still going just under 30 points a game in terms of what they're scoring. And their defense is looking so good at the moment. I'll, I'll take the Saints for that reason and to cover. Yeah, I'm with you guys. I'm picking here based largely on the Saints defense. I mean, they held the Broncos to 12 yards passing. How amazing is that? <laughs> so, uh, yeah, no, but seriously, I, as Sam was alluding to, they held the Broncos to three, which that's not really a real game. But then they held Atlanta to nine, San Fran to 13, and Tampa Bay to three in the past three weeks before this Denver game. So I'm thinking more of a repeat of when they played the Falcons two weeks ago where you had Taysom Hill. Now, granted, the Falcons have faced Taysom Hill, which obviously is a much different offense than when Breeze is in there. So they will be more prepared, but I still think the Saints D will come through and Taysom Hill can at least put together three TD drives, and I think that will be enough. All right. Uh, Rams at the Cardinals, and the Rams are three-point favorites. Eddie always wants me to start off with the Cardinals. so I was going to say it. Not even just the Cardinals here. The fact that they're playing the Rams, a team that you have a very much love-hate relationship with. I want to know what your pick is. Yeah, so Cards have lost three out of their last four, and Murray's play hasn't been as good as it was at the beginning of the season, whether that's him, there's speculation that he has some injuries, or if teams are just figuring out how to stop him, which is more likely the case. I think the Rams are going to win this. I hate picking the Rams. I hate picking against the Rams, but their defense is looking very solid at the moment. And Goff outside of the Niners has been playing decently well the past month or two. So I think the Niners can outscore the cards here and actually limit the cards to under 25 points. Did you say the Niners? Sorry, the Rams. <laughs> if Sorry, the I've been reading Niners Nation all day. Oh, can't go wrong. It's it's hard to put down. Source of impartial knowledge. I mean, that Murray, what is it, like a shoulder injury, right? It's interesting because he came out and yeah. said um, he didn't adjust anything or he didn't change anything. And then the last two games against the Seahawks and Patriots, he's actually put up like two season lows. Um, so either he's lying or he's been found out, I guess, in that respect. Obviously, two extremes, but it's it's interesting when someone's talking about an injury and they, they say nothing's changed or nothing's bad, and then they post two season lows in a row. So I, I think the Rams defensively are really good. Um, I think that is a bit of a worry. I think I think Goff's inconsistent, but I'm, I'm going to pick the Rams. I think I'll pick the Rams to win and cover here as well. 
Yeah, I also think that, uh, you know, part of what makes the Cardinals terrifying, even if you have an injured uh, Murray, is the idea that the way he can escape pressure and scramble and turn what look like losses into into gains. And I think what the Rams have is in Aaron Donald, someone who can consistently counteract that just with the speed and the pressure that he's going to get on on Murray. And so for that reason, I actually feel, and then you just factor in the Cardinals defense, it's just not good. And so I think the Rams will be able to put to, to score points pretty consistently. Uh, so I'm taking the Rams to win and to cover. Um, maybe one of the locks of the weeks here. We've got the Giants at the Seahawks and the Seahawks are 10 point favorites. And uh, from what I saw, Colt McCoy starting for the Giants. Uh, I don't know if you guys have seen that, but I, I looked at his record and there's like seven starts in nine years for a veteran. <laughs> I'm, I'm not sure how to take the Giants there, but curious what you guys think. I always kind of liked Colt McCoy. Like he's, he's a player I look back with reasonable fondness back when he used to actually uh, be a starter. Um, but yeah, I think that you just look at this and it's difficult to think of how a Colt McCoy-led Giants offense is going to be able to keep up with the Seahawks. And that's not really a knock on Colt McCoy, but already they would have been at a serious disadvantage. And now the fact that you are, are having to turn to a backup quarterback who's, you know, mediocre at best. Um, this just seems like a great matchup for the Seahawks. So I'll take them to win and to cover. I'll go with the Seahawks to win. I'm going to go with the Giants to cover. I think they're going to keep this close. I will say Joe Judge has done a decent job in making this team believe they're better than they are because even I didn't expect them to win this many games, and that's four. That's kind of surprising. And even with that, you know, they've won three in a row and their last two losses were a heartbreak to the Eagles at the very end and another heartbreak to Tampa Bay at the very end, you know, so there's an alternate universe where they've won five in a row. So they are playing, I think above their caliber. And I think he's going to keep that going, but I, I agree with Eddie. They don't have the firepower to win this match, but I think they can keep it under double digits. So I'll go the giants to cover. I mean, I don't really have too much to add, to be honest. I mean, I, I know we had a chat last time out about whether home records matter without crowds, but the Seahawks haven't lost a home all season. And I don't really expect this to be the game that kind of changes that. So Because um, they got that 12th man ringing the bell. I mean, I'm going to take them to win and cover as well. So, um, yeah, a lot of... A lot of um, Heavy favorites, big spreads, but this is one of the closer ones for sure, is the uh, Patriots at the Chargers. And the Chargers are one point, uh, sorry, the Patriots are one point favorites. Yeah, a little bit unclear if um, Cam Newton's going to play in this, right? He's injured, says he'll be fine, didn't practice today, I believe. Uh, but all signs point to the fact that he will be playing. I don't know whether that's necessarily a good thing or a bad thing for the Patriots at this point. Like, yeah, especially last time out, right? <laughs> I saw his QBR rating was like 26.4. Last yeah, game. It's, it's, it's difficult to judge uh, where they are exactly. I'm, I'm just going to take the Patriots, and I'm solely going to take them here because I think the coaching matchup 
it's so good. Like it's so far in their favor that I don't think the talent on the field is actually going to matter. Like this is maybe the one game this year where I'm just going to give Bill Belichick the just overwhelming advantage. And I'm just going to say, this is a Patriots win. I'm going to go the other way. So I agree with what you said about Newton. They won that game. He had 84 yards passing and two interceptions. And he is not staying with my boy, Justin Herbert, if he thinks he's going to throw 84 yards. The Chargers lost to the Bills last week, but actually had more yards and much more throwing yards, passing yards. So I'm just going to go with the Chargers here. I, I, I'm not sold on the Patriots. I don't think they're very good. I mean, they should have lost that game if it weren't for the Isaiah Simmons 15-yard personal foul at the end that put them into field goal range at the end. I mean, they could have won in overtime, but you know, it was a lucky win for them to begin with. And I think their luck's going to run out here. I think the Chargers are going to take it to them. Just I mean, as Justin Herbert's stamp for rookie of the year. I mean, stamp it after this game. You're kind of just relying on Herbert, though, right, for this game. Because the thing is, with Cam Newton, right, yeah, 26.4 in the previous game. But against the Texans, he threw, what, 365 yards? Granted, only one touchdown, but the QBR rating was nearly like 120. So he's inconsistent, but he can play really well. I think what's interesting, though, is it that I think the Patriots, if they run the ball, they're good. I think they average yards per carry at the moment at like four, uh, four and a half. Uh, 4.6 so if they run the ball they they run it well and they progress well and they can control it so I don't think Herbert alone can help the Chargers in this game and I take Eddie's point about the coaching setup as well I just think the Patriots have more available to them to get them over the line against the Chargers whereas if Herbert underperforms which is entirely possible they'll probably lose so I'm going to take the Patriots into cover as well just win so yeah um next up is the eagles at the packers and the packers are eight and a half point favorites yeah i mean i know we we discussed obviously in the last episode the eagles semi-remarkable uh cover in the previous in their previous game i didn't see anything about about that performance to make me think that they are going to be capable of keeping pace with the Packers offense that does consistently put up like score points. That being said, I did have an interesting um, now, obviously Tom Brady is off this week. So this is a Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers comparison, but not one that uh, obviously we can't really speak about it in the context of Tom Brady this year, but since 2018, Aaron Rodgers has thrown 10 interceptions. So that's in 43 games. This season, Tom Brady, in 12 games, has thrown 11 interceptions. I thought it was kind of an interesting comparison over, over, you know, Aaron Rodgers does get forgotten sometimes uh, in all these discussions. I know we've talked about that over the course of this season, too. And even in the MVP race, often overlooked. But I am going to predict that the Packers win this at a canter. So Packers to win and Packers to cover this spread easily. Oh, at a canter. At a canter. Wow. Wow. I like that one. I, I'm just going to go with, I'm, I'm actually going to take the Packers to win, but I'm going to take the Eagles to cover. And 
I think there's a bit of desperation with the Eagles and they notoriously have this ability to come relatively close with bigger teams. So when I look at it, obviously they had the, they lost to the Seahawks by six, they lost to the Browns by five and they lost to the Ravens by two. And they're kind of in their last, I can't remember out of like their last six or seven games when they've played teams that are competent or good, they've actually kept it close. And what's interesting about them is running they average five yards a carry they're actually right up there in the top of the nfl with yards per carry on a run but what's interesting is they just don't run it often uh they have run i think it was fourth the amount of runs they've attempted was like fourth last in the nfl so they have a good running setup they just don't use it much and whence is the the bad apple in all this right he's going to be the one that loses it for them and you'll get that canter that eddie so beautifully and eloquently has now coined but I'm just gonna take I'm gonna take the Packers to win but I'm gonna take the Eagles to spread uh, to cover the spread <laughs> spread eagle <laughs> that's quite good actually <laughs> I'm gonna take Aaron Rodgers spread eagle <laughs> yeah so I'm gonna take the, I'm gonna take the Packers win but I'll, I'll take the Eagles to cover what's the worst comparison statistic Carson Wentz has 16 TDs to Aaron Rodgers' 33 this season? <laughs> or Carson Wentz has 15 interceptions compared to Aaron Rodgers' four? <laughs> What's Eagles. worse, three, three times as much picks or half as many touchdowns? <laughs> but yeah, I, just with I those... I would say the turnovers. I think picks are worse. Yeah. But... They've also got seven two-point conversions. Yeah. Oh, thanks. Thanks for rubbing that in, Sam. Really appreciate <laughs> that rub in there. <laughs> and and that's one of the reasons I'm taking the Packers. This is a revenge bet. The Eagles should not have covered that. They should have lost the double digits to the Seahawks. And I think the Packers are a better team than the Seahawks. So I think the Seahawks are going to thromp them. Coined. Nice. I mean, the Packers are going to thromp them. I think I said Seahawks. <laughs> Speaking of um, potential thrompings, we've got the Broncos at the Chiefs, and the Chiefs are 14-point favorites. So, I mean, the Broncos are going to have a, a um, an actual QB playing. I think Locke's been taken off the COVID list. So uh, is that going to change this not being by 14 points or more? Well, uh, they're going to have going? someone who they say is a QB at QB. They're, they're Whether Locke is, rec- is an actual QB is a question. Right. They're going to have a recognized QB, as in this person somewhere has written he's a quarterback. <laughs> so I did like, I, um, I, I, I heard Drew Locke, this is his quote, um, being asked about what he thought about uh, the quarterback performance on last week against the Saints. And he said, I saw him the next morning when I'm sitting in my car waiting to get my rapid COVID test results back that were negative. He got out of the car. I kept my mask on, of course, and said, Candleman, I'm so proud of you for getting out there. It takes a lot of guts and a lot of heart to go out there and do what you did in the circumstances that you did. I like that he had to throw in the kept my mask on, of course. Yeah, of course. I kept my mask on, of course, because I didn't keep my mask on last week and look what happened. It screwed us. (laughs) Yeah, this is my survivor pick. I took the Chiefs, so obviously I'm going to take the Chiefs to win. And I think we're getting into Chiefs domination mode. 
So I think they're going to give it to the Broncos and they're not going to let off the gas. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I've been cautious all season when it's come to the, the Chiefs and big spreads. I've kind of called it wrong every time as to when I've doubted them and when I've gone with them fundamentally. So I'm actually going to take them to cover this spread, which means that they will win and they'll win comfortably, but they're going to win by, by fewer than 14 points. This is how the season has gone. But I just think it's another one of those times where you kind of do the calculation in your head. Well, the Chiefs are definitely going to score 35 points. Are the Broncos going to score 20? I'm not sure. So I'll take the take the Chiefs to cover. And real quick, the quarterback comparison here. Drew Locke has seven TD passes to Mahomes' 30 and 11 interceptions to the Mahomes' two. <laughs> I mean, whatever you want to call this, a canter, a route, a thromp, a domination, that's exactly what it will be. So, yeah, I'm just keeping the Chiefs and to win this one. Um Next up is Washington at the Steelers. So uh, Steelers are eight and a half point favorites. Um, I think it's quite a short turnaround because this is the Monday night game, right? So the Steelers are going to have a Wednesday game. Through no, I think Monday. the Steelers, this is Tuesday, right? Is it, I no, thought it was Monday, Monday game. It's, it's so the Monday Ravens, game. The Ravens are Tuesday? I think, yeah. I, yeah so the Ravens, the Ravens got extra time in all of this. That's the great. Ravens get extra time. Yeah. You know, they screwed it. The Steelers are just getting shafted by COVID this year, right? But yeah, they're coming off a short week. So you've got eight and a half point favorites for the Steelers. Um, I mean, it's so, like the Steelers obviously didn't cover last night, but they kind of just did what they needed to do. I think they, they spoke about it extensively over the course of the game, but the way Big Ben has adjusted his game this season is pretty interesting with now being the quarterback who gets the ball out of his hand the fastest out of all of the all the quarterbacks this year. They seemingly have lost Dupree. He's gone on the IR, so that's kind of a blow for them from a defensive standpoint. But still, uh, I think they just are too far too good for Washington this is another game that in a way the, the spread feels like it should be higher. It's just that Washington's been able to pick up a couple of wins recently because they played fairly bad teams. So I'm going to take the Steelers to win and to cover the spread. I mean, that's not, that's not a half of it. Like when I was looking at Washington, cause I thought this spread, I, I think I previously saw like 10 and then something has changed. Maybe Dupree, maybe has just like adjusted it slightly, but Washington's last six games have been the Cowboys twice, the Giants twice, the Bengals and the Lions. And they've only come out of that three and three. When you look at the games where they've played good teams before that, they lost to the Rams by 20, the Ravens by 14, the Browns by 14, and the Cardinals by 15. So when you present the Steelers at eight and a half, I, I, I take it. I just, I can't see anything. The Washington have had easy games the last six, and they've still come out of it with a, a 0.500 record. But when you see them against good teams, they just seem to absolutely shit the bed and... I can see it happening, not to the scale, but I can see the Steelers c- covering this one. So. I mean, the thing the thing to note, right, is that the Steelers were workmanlike yesterday. Right. And in the end, actually got to a situation where they could have lost that game, which would have been stunning. But legitimately, when they got the ball back, Roethlisberger threw an incredibly dangerous pass on a third down that could have easily been picked off and could have even potentially been a pick six. But even if it hadn't been a pick six, and simply been an interception, they would have been in real trouble there. So I, that might be part of the reason why there's an element of doubt, just because they were a bit 
you know, they weren't great, but I, I do think they'll, they'll do enough. Yeah. Washington can do it on a, on a nice warm Thanksgiving night in Dallas, but can they win on a snowy cold Monday in Pittsburgh? No way. Oh, is it supposed I've been, to snow? I think so. Oh, Light flurries I saw. That'll be another reason for the line not being huge. Yeah. As I mean, I've been super high on the Steelers all year. I've been a believer since day one. <laughs> no, I just don't think Washington has enough to really keep up with them. Uh, I don't know why the spread is what is what it is, except like Eddie was saying, they did have some inflated wins. They have an okay pass rush, and maybe that'll get to Big Ben a little bit, but their offense isn't that spectacular, and I think the Steelers' defense is strong. So I'll, I'll take the Steelers to cover. All right, Niners Nation time. We've got the Bills at the 49ers, and the Bills are one-point favorites. So over to you, Eddie. Tough one, right? This is one of the teams I talked up. They were my dark horse selection to make the Super Bowl, and then obviously it's the Niners, the team I support. Um, the Niners were impressive. And selected against- to go to the Super Bowl. Also true, but that one's going to have the window <laughs> just through through injuries. I mean, that's I I will I have said it before last week on the this podcast. is your Super Bowl matchup. Come on, this was a potential Super Bowl matchup. I I didn't I didn't lock this one in. I did think it was going to be the Chiefs Niners. That was my likely pick, but or the outs- Bills. My outside pick was the Bills Niners. Yes. Um. Now, here would be an interesting question. Who do I think at the moment has a better chance of making the Super Bowl out of these two teams? I might say the Niners. <laughs> no, but I just think that the path to the Super Bowl through the NFC is a lot easier than the path to the Super Bowl through the AFC. So it would kind of just be that judgment that if the Niners can get themselves in there, then they've got a reasonable chance. Um, I don't really get this spread, it has to be said. I know that the Niners were impressive, we, we've said this all along. Whenever they're big underdogs, it's a bold prediction to pick against them just because you know that they are extremely well coached. They're motivated. They have no interest in tanking. They've got a ton of pride. They play the game fast and hard on both sides of the ball. They'll run the ball effectively. Their defense will be good and get pressure and get sacks and force turnovers. So I think all that being said, I just think the Bills are, are better. And so I'm going to take the Bills to win and obviously to, to cover the spread at the same time. Must be noted that even though the Niners are home, they are playing in Arizona. Glendale, Arizona. Which for the Bills is right, the return of the, yeah, return to the scene of the crime of the Hale Murray. So yeah. you think that's going to affect them? I think motivate if, them. I think if you could tell, <laughs> if you could tell the Bills that they're going to be up by what did they go up by four when they, when that happened, they're going to be up by four with 13 seconds left. And the Niners had the ball on the 50 yard line, but that instead of it being Murray dropping back to try and throw it, it's going to be Nick Mullins. I think they'll feel okay. I think the chance of a, of a, of a, of a Mullins, uh, Mary, of a hail mullins mary mullins mary yeah uh is uh is slim to none what what is do you think a mullins mary has 
really fruity flavors? No, there's nothing fruity about Mullins. It would be bitter. It so would probably it's, have <laughs> gin, probably has, ginger ale. It probably and bitters. It, <laughs> it probably has a little bit of sweetness at the top. So your your initial sip is nice and pleasant, and they've probably got a nice kick to it right up there. You're like, this is good. This sounds. This tastes strong. I like this. And then slowly it just turns into just like pure bitters down the bottom. And they don't allow you to shake it or stir it. <laughs> it's this horrible cross section of a cocktail then basically. <laughs> I'm, I'm actually... Yeah, a... It's gone. A not so great critique, I guess, of Mullins is George Kittle is still the leading receiver for the Niners. He hasn't played in what six weeks, and it's no, not a—it's it, um, not an amazing statistic. It's four hundred and seventy-five yards. That's it's also a little. Bad. Well, this is also you overlooking the issue the Niners have had all season, oh, which is God. they've all been what, injured. What's that? What's that? Oh, so, here we go. It's not just that Kittle's been injured. It's that Devo Samuel's been injured. It's that Ayuk's been injured. Like everyone else that he could have possibly been throwing to has missed games. Oh, oh, what a shame. Poor Niners. Just oh. let it go. Oh, just just let give them a participation trophy and get them out of here. Oh, already. you know what trophy they're going to be winning? They're going to be winning the Lombardi trophy. That's what they're taking home. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I'm, I'm going to go with the Niners here. I like when I when I looked at the stats for it, like when the when the um, Bills came off their bye week, they had that unconvincing win over the Chargers. Allen only threw like 157 yards, a couple of turnovers in it. I think there was three in the game, but two brought on by himself. And then you looked at the Niners last game out. They a Rams really good offense. They restricted to just over 300 yards and they forced four turnovers. And there's just a part of me that just thinks with that one point, I kind of like the Niners. I just think it's a it's a nice matchup for them in that respect. So I'll take the 49ers and to to win. Uh, don't be tricked into that low Niners spread. Like Eddie said last week, when they were a true underdog, that's when they come up and screw you. But this, now that they're not so much an underdog and it's almost a toss up, this is where they come back to reality. And you say, "Why did I pick Mullins to win a game?" Because if you had to say Mullins or Allen, I will take Josh Allen 10 times out of 10. That's not really a bold statement there, Frank. <laughs> I'm not trying to make a bold statement. It should be an obvious statement. <laughs> no, but I do agree with you. Sometimes when you're predicting a game, you have to think which, which pick is going to make me feel dumber. And if you told me at halftime in this, the Niners are up, A, you'd have hope that the Bills could get back into it. But you'd also be like, I, I see the reasons like the Bills are going to win their division. They're a legitimate playoff team. They're, they're good. They've had good wins over the course of the season. You'd, you'd, talk your, you'd be like, I, I've made the wrong, I've chosen the wrong team here, but I get why I did it. Whereas if you're getting the Bills just kind of like blowing out the Niners, you'd be like, hold on a second. Why did I take this beaten up team that has every reason to check out, that's now living in Arizona away from their families, probably wow. just wants the season to be over as quickly as, as possible. I mean, you had Raheem Mostert making his very uh, emotional post-game. I don't know if you guys saw that, his post-game interview after the last one, talking about how difficult it is for for the players, which I think is legitimate and overlooked over the course of this, just how difficult it is from the player's standpoint to get through this season. 
and the fact that they're going to have, they have to stay away from family members and, and kind of focus like their only reason for being at the moment is to play NFL games. And now when you throw in that they're having to move to Arizona temporarily to complete this season, you oh. might get some Niners players. I mean, I'm I not bothered about that. that. Oh, I'm my more God. I'm more so wait, 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 wait. So what Eddie's saying is so difficult is that they're making multiple million dollars a year and now get to live in a really not nice, fancy hotel with 70-degree sunny weather in the middle of December. Oh, 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 Eddie. I love how oh. that, I love how give that them, makes Give them, them the participation push. trophy. Oh. But I do like how that makes them completely like void of emotion. Yeah. Like they're just like money means I can't have happiness. <laughs> like, and I think this is the thing. A, not all of them are making millions of dollars, right? There are guys on there earning. They're, they're all making nice sums of money. But every one of them is earning more than we're earning. So I'm not saying I wouldn't swap places with them. And they're getting to live an extraordinary life that they will have dreamt of. So look, they'll probably, they'll all be deciding that these are sacrifices worth making, worth making. And anyone in their career will have to make sacrifices at some point and decide whether or not they go and see their family or attend a certain event or whatever it is over. And also everyone in the entire world isn't having to make similar sacrifices in terms of not traveling home, not seeing family and, and all sorts of things. And I'd rather be playing in the NFL and making those sacrifices than working at Costco and making those sacrifices. So hey, you, Costco we, is a great company to work for. Okay. Well, then they I are. They're on the top in the U.S. Then I needed that plug. Okay. Well, I'd, would I rather be a Costco employee or a Green Bay Packers employee? And by employee, I mean player. I think I'm taking. I'm taking the Packers. Get great discounts. Imagine how cheap you can get a TV. I, yeah, I don't think true. you need a cheap TV when you're an NFL star. <laughs> I also think you probably get cheap. I'm, I'm pretty sure Aaron Rodgers gets some cheap TVs. But, but you could imagine that's because like that's because he's Aaron, got the Rodgers rate. That's different. You could imagine like got, Aaron Rodgers just like, check. I could, I just love the idea of Aaron Rodgers going up to like someone that works at Costco, going, "Could you send me to the bargain bin?" <laughs> like he's down and out. He's got no. Money. If if there's a quarterback that would do it, it might be Aaron Rodgers. He seems like the type of guy who would go into Costco and be like, is the display model less money? <laughs> I prefer the idea that like, for some reason, Aaron Rodgers gets into a long conversation with a Costco employee who starts telling him about the various benefits that they get. And then like end of the season, Aaron Rodgers is retiring to take up his new job as just a, just a <laughs> regular member. Of somehow staff he's like been, somehow he's been wowed by their like healthcare benefits. <laughs> he's like, Oh, tell me more about this. They have scheme. great benefits. Yeah. You have two family picnics a year. Wow. Unlimited paid time off. Not unlimited, but, but a decent amount. Okay. This sounds good too. Wait, they get unlimited? Oh, no. No way now. Okay. You get to leap onto the upper level of the stock of the stock uh, shelves. <laughs> Imagine him just tossing around those toilet rolls, you know? He'd be, he'd be amazing. I mean, although they'd be in huge bulk quantities, so it's hard to get a, <laughs> get a, get a spiral do on some them. damage to someone. <laughs> just absolutely launches a bomb at this old lady of like a pack just, of like yeah. 48 toilet rolls. <laughs> Tosses it in electronics, goes all the way to the, to the meat aisle and just knocks her out cold right into the meat container. <laughs> I have to admit, though, I am, I'll give it to you. Looking at this, I have taken the favorites in bulk on, in my, uh, 
in my selections this week and it's making me and mm. second guess some of my picks just because as we've discussed in the past when you find yourself in a situation where you've picked every favorite and all the teams to cover you know that something has to go wrong so this is a little bit of an issue and uh, not I mean, to lead you into the next game sam but it almost makes me want to pick the underdog not to win necessarily but to cover because i just at the moment the only team the only underdog I have selected is the Lions. And I'm not sure that's a statement you want to say many times this year. <laughs> I mean, I'll, I'll ignore the character assassination you just did on me, though, by like, oh, you don't want to pick something dumb like the 49ers in this game <laughs> as I pick the 49ers in this game. But the 49ers are the underdogs. So, Eddie, aren't you saying that you need to pick underdogs? I wouldn't pick that one, though. Okay. Yeah, I'm gonna, I don't mean- know if I said it, but I'm going Bills. I'm going Niners, which is dumb, according to Eddie. Yeah, dumb. <laughs> dumb, dumb, one, gum, gum. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, I mean, it's, I, don't, I didn't enjoy the night at the museums that much. I've never even seen it. Really? Oh, they're, they're, they're lovely movies, Eddie. You should see them. They're fantastical. Don't say, don't say lovely again. It doesn't suit you. No. <laughs> it's not a word that should, should be in your... Um, no. But the so you're taking the Cowboys? Uh, no, I'm going to take the Ravens to win and to cover. I'm just going to go <laughs> weekend of favorites. I'm just going to assume that Vegas gets absolutely killed this weekend. In just well, there's unexpected... no spread. Yeah, there is. I I, I, found, I I did some digging. I found a spread at seven. Should we? Well, I was going to say, should we wait until Monday to pick this one? Could we? Why? Should not we pick it at Tuesday? Seven? Let's just get our pick in now, and if there's a significant change, we we make an adjustment. But fundamentally, the seven-point line seems... But like, who's starting at QB? I think the assumption is that it will be uh, Lamar. Not Lamar. I thought I, it's I not thought, No, Lamar no, no, he's still on he's COVID. Out. I think it's RG3. It's RG3's oh, he's hurt. A, he's injured. RG3. So then the so assumption sorely? Was, Yeah. Yeah. That he, do you see that touchdown pass? <laughs> hey, Penn State grad, baby. All right, so we'll take the seven and then go from there. Yeah, but actually, in that fact, I'm going to take the I'm going to take the Ravens to win with the Cowboys with the points. I mean, I think I might see. I don't know because I don't know how many players are still going to be out. If it's the same team that was on the field that last game, I'm going to take Dallas to win and Dallas with the points. Can I amend this when I find out who's actually no. playing? No. You can't if you more, can't amend the money line. If no, if more players are out than expected, and the 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 spread significantly shifts, then I'll let you make like if the spread suddenly goes from Ravens minus seven to Ravens minus one, then I'll let you make a new pick. But if it's like minus seven to minus six, because I could just be you know like betting tendencies and trends versus personnel, then I think you got to stick with what you did. Because we've benefited from it at times, right? Like we, we've we had, and this is the nature, this is the unfortunate aspect of like COVID at the moment. Like if anyone out there is making bets on games in the NFL on like a Monday or a Tuesday, you're running such a serious risk that the team you've been But we don't have to. It's not no, like... You don't. I'm just saying that I know, I've seen, for example, on social media, people claiming to be geniuses. Like I remember when the Packers played the Niners on that Thursday night game and I saw tons of people being like, 
man, I, I was so smart. I took the Packers like minus minus 2.5 or whatever uh, on Sunday night. And now they're minus 6.5, minus 7. It's like, it's great. But if you did the reverse, you wouldn't call yourself an idiot. You can't predict who's going to be out with COVID. Um, so I think unless there's a significant shift, we just have to assume the minus 7 is going to be pretty accurate. Eddie has spoken. Exactly. Yeah. It's always Eddie's rules. Eddie's. Yeah. Eddie is king in here. I'm, I'm taking the Ravens and the Cowboys to cover. I think the Ravens need to stop the bleeding. But I, I saw a stat that the Ravens have let up like 20 points a game in, like, in the rut they're in recently. But Dallas haven't scored over 19 in their last five. Um, but I, I think the COVID absences will probably hurt the Ravens. So I'll probably take them to cover, as in Cowboys to cover that seven because of that reason. So I think that's it. I think it was at 15 games. Uh, yeah, the Panthers and Tampa are on by. Yeah, that's it. So Eddie has gone every favorite. Is it every single one? No, I took the Lions. Lions. But apart so from that, So predictable. Yeah. Wow, so predictable. Look, I, I think I don't have any regret over taking the favorites in some of these really close games, right? I don't. I mean, it's barely a favorite to take a team, like to take the Bills minus one. It's, you know, hard to call a team a favorite there, really. Um, but I will say the fact that I've predicted all of these teams that are uh, favored by large, you know, a large number of points to all cover, that never happens. You're never going to, we're not going to get to the end of this week and be like, well, it looks all those teams that were favored by seven plus points, they all not only won, but won by 10 plus. That's just, just doesn't happen. So talking about, we touched on this, uh, a little bit of interesting news I saw. Well, not news, but a statistical breakdown I saw. Um, we talked a little bit about the Duca curse. We've spoken about it over the course of these episodes a few times. Uh, and on in our last episode, we spoke made about the Arsenal shoes and uh, the impact that they may have had on Arsenal's season. I saw that this is officially the worst start that Arsenal have ever had in the Premier League. Uh, Do you want to explain the Premier League for for people who are new to the the podcast? Yeah. So for reasons unknown, I think even to him, even to yourself, Frank, you bought a pair of Arsenal themed shoes. (laughs) It's kind of almost. I like that they're themed. I like that you said themed, like they're fake. I mean, it's just hard to describe exactly what they are and also why Frank got them. I got them because I like the colors. And you have consigned my supporting club to a potential relegation fight at the moment. (laughs) But it is their worst start to a Premier League season in almost every meaningful statistical category. So it is their worst start in terms of number of points, their worst start in terms of league placement, their worst start in terms of goals scored, and their worst placement to start in terms of goal difference. So it is literally across the board, their worst start to the season in Premier League history, which admittedly sorry. Is, is not super long. You're talking about since 1992 or whatever, but I'm, still. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to semi-caveat it that they have had City away, Liverpool away. They had Man U away, but won that. Um, so I will caveat it that some of the games have been the most difficult games they can have. But Leicester, Leicester at home, Wolves at home, probably difficult 
relatively difficult games. You call them on par games, I guess, for Arsenal at the moment, but it doesn't detract the fact that Arsenal have had a pretty bad start. It's um, what I think what frustrates me the most is that there's there's still optimism around Arteta. Like there's still, we still won the FA Cup. They still showed good performances. They've still ground out some good performances this season, even in defeat, like the Man City loss, uh, the Man U win, uh, the FA Cup last season was good and the run-in with that where they beat Man City. But what's frustrating me is that Aubameyang was almost everything with this Arsenal team. And then ever since he signed that contract, he's looked so disinterested. And he's not... He's not... Like, what is so good about Aubameyang is that he will... He has this amazing ability to play wide left and cut inside and have these amazing goals where he just cuts in and scores immediately with his right foot. And... None of that's happening for Arsenal anymore down the left. They're just so ineffective. And it then, therefore, what they're having to do is rely so much on their more inexperienced right, people like Saka or Reese Nelson. And they're not game winners at the moment. They're great players. They're very active players, very uh, physical players. But they're not the game winners that people like Aubameyang can be. And I think it's shown in the fact that what is it? Um, we've only scored twice in our last five league games. Um, it just, it's depressing. I mean, we'll probably go on to the North London derby coming up this weekend, um, Spurs v Arsenal. And I don't think in my time, <laughs> which, is, which is, you know, over 30, that I've been so sure of an Arsenal defeat in a North London derby. And I, like the only thing, Arsenal have going for them in this game is that A, they have to turn it around at some point, but B, the lack of fans in a derby matters, probably more so than And Harry Kane might be missing. I mean, that's after... Yeah, I haven't even got to the player comparison yet. I'm just trying to rely on the things that may benefit kind of from an Arsenal perspective only, and it's the lack of fans. Um, Listen, it might be that game. Arsenal have clearly got quality players and Aubameyang could just start playing, but I just can't see them losing at the moment. Spurs look good. And even without Kane, I still think they'll win. It's pretty depressing for an Arsenal fan at the moment, but I don't doubt that it will turn around at some point. But it has to be soon. Don't know what you think, Eddie. Yeah, I, I mean, look, I, my personal feeling is that Arsenal kind of are what I expected them to be. I, I just don't think the squad is all that good. And so, surprise, surprise, extending Aubameyang's contract as a 31-year-old who was desperate to leave and probably all he wanted was a really nice big paycheck and a player who fundamentally has never been in a situation when he's had to deliver on the very biggest stage. I mean, I know that at Dortmund, they had a few seasons where they were very good, but he has, like a lot of Arsenal players before him, sort of spend his career on the fringe of the big time what a surprise extending extending his contract wasn't the the smartest idea in the world um i I just it's only been seven or so games i mean it's a shame that he looks disinterested and isn't performing but i wouldn't say that that's like game over for obama yang now well what i hope he really does is that he he gets you to fall into the real trap. So he'll just not have, not not be good for the first sort of 25, 26 matches of the season, but he'll go on a nice little goal scoring run towards the end. And then he'll get a nice, nice further contract extension just because you can't let him go. He was the one, the one bright spot in other words, otherwise, uh, you know, disappointing season. So look, I, 
Spurs are better probably all over the pitch. Um, Harry Kane missing for them is significant, but at the same time, then you feel that Son is in such good form that does it really matter? And they, they're probably no longer the team that has to exclusively rely. You know, in, in previous seasons, you would have said that without Harry Kane, it's hard to see where goals are going to come from for Spurs. And although he was extremely impressive a couple of weeks ago against City, um, just in terms of his movement and holding up the ball, and I think for Mourinho, having someone up front like that is so vital because he does allow them to absorb pressure. And you know that when the ball does get to Kane, he isn't, it's not just going to bounce off him. He'll, he'll do the dirty defensive work that Mourinho wants him to do. But then at the same time, when they do have the chance to break, he can play a crucial part in that. Um, but yeah, I think, I think everything points towards the Spurs victory. Now, in some ways, the most Spurs thing now would be to lose to Arsenal in the North London Derby when they suddenly feel like everything points towards of towards them winning. And then equally, a very Arsenal thing to do would to be get a win against Spurs that kind of papers over the cracks and makes everyone think that Arteta and Arsenal are moving in the right direction again. Personally, I'll just, I would stay away from it, would be my move, but I do think Spurs will win. The... the... I, I don't disagree with you. I, I think Spurs will win as well, but it, it would be very Arsenal-like. I mean, some of their best performances this season have been against the better teams. It's actually been the the lesser teams that Arsenal have put in poorer performances, almost anemic performances in terms of how bad they've looked against some of these teams, like uh, Villa being one of the best examples. But I mean, listen, right, they're on is it 14 points or 13 points at the moment and it's one of those things where the 10 teams above them are separated by three points right it can look very different this league uh, i i it, it looks the, the signs are negative for arsenal but they have the team they have the goal scorers and they have the youth talent right through the pitch actually like from leno tierney they they have all these players that can do it also uh gabrielle at the back looks like a really good signing um so I think Arsenal have the team and I think there's a lot of, Arteta has a lot of um, um, like credits against him. I, I think he is going to be given a lot of time. I don't think there's going to be like this Emery situation whereby they expected things to be a little bit quicker because of how seasoned he was. I think with Arteta, they realized that this is a work in progress and actually when you just look at the six or however months he's been in charge, he has done a lot of things that were bugging Arsenal fans. Like they, they have stopped leaking goals, which is a bit hilarious to say over the last three or four games, but they have looked more defensively solid. But the problem is ideas going forward is the thing that they're lacking at the moment. And I'm hoping that Arteta and the quality of the team will change that, but um, it needs to change soon in the next three or four games otherwise it's looking like such a mediocre season and a best scraping into the europa league and that's pretty depressing but yeah well champions league is gone right i mean it's gone top four hopes are gone yeah i think they were they weren't yeah. they weren't they weren't likely to be the top four anyway but any hopes of making the top four are well and truly gone because i know it's only a five-point gap as things stand but you're still looking at three of the top four looking good, very good. I mean, I I'm, I'm, might be slightly disrespectful to Leicester. Obviously, their defeat against Fulham on Monday, not the most impressive result when you are going to have to keep up with the, 
with the bigger teams in that top four race. But, you know, there's no reason to expect Tottenham, Liverpool or Chelsea to drop off to such a significant degree that Arsenal could close the gap. And then still above them, they've got City with a game in hand. And then even overtaking United, who I don't think will finish in the top four probably in the end anyway. But even that is going to be a challenge because they're just as inconsistent as each other. So they would need a remarkable run of form to suddenly get themselves into the, into, into the top four. It's just not going to happen. I'm wary of your early season predictions. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm always wary of your early season predictions. Like, I'm pretty sure you said it was all over for City. Wait, wait, no, I didn't say it was. I said it's unlikely that. I, I think, but put it this way, I think City are in a position. I would be very surprised if Manchester City would do win the title this year. And it's not because of the. Uh, six-point gap, which is fundamentally a three-point gap if they win their game in hand. It's just because they don't look that great. It's an eye test thing with them more than anything. And okay, they look back to their best in a way against Burnley at the weekend, but that's Burnley. And that's one thing. But when you see them play against the bigger teams, they they look you know, weak at the back and they don't look like they can score goals easily. And it's the, their inability to score goals easily is the biggest concern. Yeah, there's it's one of the more frustrating things is like when you see City at like a 12.30 kickoff on a Saturday and it plays out as a one-all draw because they came out terribly, they went one no down and then recover, but they don't recover as well as they're used to. And they just, yeah, they, they scream inconsistency. And so do Man U, Arsenal scream inconsistency on the worst side of that. So... I mean, for me, it's still... I mean, Chelsea look good. There's a potential for Chelsea to be up there. I, I just... I always have this feeling with Mourinho and Spurs that both of them, um, that there is this element of a, an implosion or like a toxic nature coming into it or an implosion coming up. And that's why I just can't rate their title chances at the moment. But as it keeps going, they if they keep doing this, it's hard not to at a certain point. Yeah, I mean, the thing we really need to speak about, though, is we're talking about City's struggles when it comes to scoring. Time to maybe consider the most lethal marksman in the English game to be uh, Adam Armstrong. Just can't hold hold back the Angel of the North. He's just, uh, he's unstoppable at the moment. Does he actually have that name, the Angel of the North? It is his. He does the Angel of the North celebration when he scores. So... Well, he just puts his arms out. Well, he stands very still and puts his <laughs> arms out. I mean, it's... I mean, he is from Newcastle, right? So, Yeah, I'm hardly wowed by it. But yeah, I guess there's not much you can do with Look, the I prefer, the I prefer the simpler celebration. <laughs> to me, that's, that's always better. That's a good topic. I mean, for me, Alan Shearer. Yeah, best celebration. It I'm is the best it's celebration. Nice, simple. It's it's natural. The thing that too, I think, not to get into the because obviously there was the criticism uh, directed at Obama Yang over his celebrations, right? Um, who was that? Tony Cruz, who was who was being critical of him? I think it was right, saying what a joke it was that he was getting out all his masks and stuff to celebrate them. The one thing I did like about that when he did that and the kind of discussion was going on, he made fun of Griezmann for his uh, his his dances, his Fortnite dances, and uh, Obama Yang for his masks. The mask thing they spoke, Obama Yang kind of particularly defended his Black Panther mask because he was 
because obviously he said it was a character that had had a lot of meaning for him personally, which makes sense. But then in the article I was reading at the time, it was like, uh, Obama Yang has also pulled out a Spider-Man mask, a Batman mask. <laughs> it was like so many different characters in the past. <laughs> that probably doesn't help, no. No. But, what, uh, what about Robbie Keynes? Good celebration. What was it? Yeah. Uh, so forward, basically, he, he did, did a like forward a forward roll, roll and, and then, then he guns shot guns. in the air. <laughs> and for anyone that thinks he's a massive prick, <laughs> like it's the most obnoxious thing. Um, As someone it. who never supported a club that Robbie Keane played for, I mean, he never played for Blackburn, and he had a good habit of scoring against Blackburn Rovers, it was a very annoying celebration when someone has just scored against you to see his little forward roll and his little gun shooting off in the air (laughs) gotcha (laughs) at least he didn't fall into the edson Edson cavani uh situation of having his uh celebration banned because cavani used to yeah what was the cavani used to do the sharpshooter celebration and then that was considered to be uh, kind of in the post-terror attacks in, in France in general, I think. But even before that, just considered to be a little bit uh, incorrect. And he got sent off once for doing his... He got a second book sending off. I think he was even a, in a cup final in France. He got a second booking for doing his celebration. And it was thought of as to be provocative to the supporters that he'd scored against, that he was like sh- sharpshooting one of them. Oh, it's a good maybe, thing that Cavani is Maybe he should get a better manager. Anyway. Yeah, maybe he should get someone to teach him how to not do dumb shit. <laughs> Probably should, yeah. And speaking of doing dumb shit... Damn got, it, you uh, beat me. I was gonna do that. <laughs> uh, we, had, uh, we spoke a couple of months ago about Oshin Murphy failing a drugs test in France and very vehemently denying any accusations that he had used cocaine. Uh, so for those, he, I guess, who don't know Murphy, he's, I would say, what, top three jockeys in the UK? Let's say top five. Yeah, top five okay. for sure. Yeah. Okay. Um, and and one of the best jockeys in the world overall. I mean, he yeah. he travels all over the place. He regularly races in France, in Hong Kong, in Japan. Uh, so he really is one of the world's best jockeys. Um, and he went to Fran- race in France in July and failed a drugs test, was tested positive for having used cocaine, and at the time categorically denied it. Said that there was absolutely no way there was any cocaine in his system. He said that he'd had <laughs> multiple uh, uh, hair tests that he had done, had, had carried out himself under you know strict sort of stuck to the conditions in which they would need to be carried out. And those had all come back negative. So he was sure that his B sample would come back negative. And as it turns out, Oshin Murphy is a little liar with a cocaine issue. No, his hair test did come back negative. I'm sure it did. And the, the investigators, the investigators accepted his rationale. But what I love about it is that he basically came out and he was like, it may have been when I was having sex with a cocaine using woman and I saw cocaine everywhere. That may have been how I got cocaine into my system. It's like, you didn't think that at the start. <laughs> like, was that so, not the initial so, concern for you? Yeah. Here's my only issue is 
this is not the first time, specifically even in France, that this extremely low level amount of cocaine in your system has been disputed. So also, um, who's the tennis player, Eddie? Gasquet, oh, right? Gasquet. Oh, Gasquet. Yeah. Yeah, Gasquet had, had, had the exact same thing. His excuse kissed, was he kissed a girl. Yeah. Who had done cocaine. Yeah. And supposedly the test is as sensitive that if you were to basically rub your hand on a table that had traces of cocaine and put it near your face, you would like test positive. What I don't get is why don't they just bump up the damn test level to where it's an actual amount of cocaine that would do something to your body versus there was like this infinitesimally small trace of cocaine in your system. Like, I I think that's part of the problem because, because, and it's not because I don't think it's fair to the athletes. I think it's a problem because then it leads the athletes to be able to make these excuses and you don't know the truth. If the level were much higher, he would have tested and, what he says is true. He would have tested negative and he probably isn't taking cocaine. But if the level was high enough that the only way you could have gotten it was by doing it yourself, there's a definitive answer, whether it was him or it wasn't him. He can't use the excuse of he was having a sexual encounter with a woman who was nose diving into a bag, of, into a pool of cocaine. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Um, look, I, I think I agree with you. Um, and obviously if you, if you are in a situation where, you know, you haven't done it, but you just happen to go to a bar or a party where, you know, friends were doing it and look that um, personally for me, not a drug user, never do any drugs. But as we've kind of discussed on the podcast before, there are moments in my life where I am around people who are doing drugs. So I'm sure if the test is that sensitive, I would probably fail the test not on a consistent basis, but once or twice a year, I'm probably failing it. So if wrong time, wrong place, I get that test, I might be failing it. I can just imagine you turning up to the drug test with like a powdered white face. Like, I don't know how it's there. (laughs) That being said, the difference is, and this might be either that Murphy received poor advice or that he was in trouble and he didn't know what to do. But if I were in that position, I feel like the thing I would do is say exactly that look, this is an extremely sensitive test. Yes, I am occasionally around people who do drugs. Yes, it's totally possible that I have been exposed to that through contact, but not through usage. And that this is why I failed the test, that it might not be an incorrect result, but that I deny the fact that I've ever used drugs. And if he'd said that, I would have no problem with him sticking to that story now. The problem is his initial response was, this is ridiculous no way, no how, don't put myself in these kind of positions, never use drugs. I'm whiter than white, but not in that sense. And, and like, Naturally. <laughs> yeah. And that, and then now it's like, well, actually, I guess I was around people using drugs. And once you've started to admit that part of your story was false, it just makes me think, look, as far yeah. as I'm concerned, the guys has got a total coke habit. Oh, wow. Allegedly. You go full extreme with it. So you, you don't believe his story. You just go 10 times further with the fact that he he's just got massive nostrils now. <laughs> Personally, now, uh, if I had to bet, like if you were forcing me to, I'd now believe that he uses cocaine on a semi-regular basis. That's your bet of the week. Yeah. <laughs> and I've got, some, I've got some tips just so you know. 
because those Paris sex parties, let's just say who it is in addition to Scarlett Johansson, there's O'Shea Murphy has made an appearance. What do you think Ryan Moore would be like under Coke? Just more boring. Inconceivable. I can't even I can't even fathom the thought of him doing cocaine. I think he would like <laughs> transcend dimensional planes. Like I wouldn't understand. No, I think he would just sit in the chair and stare like he normally does. Yeah. And tell you not to feed his children cookies. Biscuits. That's that's, Biscuits. that's still I encourage our listeners to look out for that video. You can't can't find it. I've God. looked for I mean, it's such hours for context. Can we have, can we have like a crowd crowd okay, ability look, oh, to oh, like oh, scour oh. the internet for this video? I, we'll hope, describe, I hope someone can on. find it. We'll describe it. I think it was before the Derby, the year after he won on work uh, workforce, I believe. But if not, it was one before one of the English classics. And Claire Balding went to his house and was interviewing Adam at his house. And he had put out, as to be a good host, he had put out some biscuits, and they were having tea and sitting there. And at one moment, his child appeared, and Claire Balding kind of went to give the child a biscuit. And Ryan Moore was like, oh, please don't give my child any biscuits. And Claire Balding kind of laughed. It was a sort of uh, funny, funny, funny. And then went to give the child a biscuit, and he was like, no, really, don't give my child any biscuits. <laughs> <laughs> and he had to have said it in the most monotonous yeah. voice oh, no, ever. Just, you know uh, what I mean? Monotone, please, wasn't it? Please do not feed my child biscuits. Yeah, yeah. And just staring at her, just looking at her, and kind of with a look on in his eyes of, why didn't you understand me the first time? I was very clear. Like, nothing was confusing about my previous statement. Why didn't you understand? My child doesn't eat biscuits. So getting into the excuse that Murphy put out there, it is in no way, I believe, one of the worst excuses that athletes have given for testing positive. So I did a little digging and I'll go through a few and you guys let me know if this is worse than Murphy's excuse of having a sexual encounter with someone who had cocaine in their system. So do you know the LaShawn Merritt story? So LaShawn Merritt was a really good uh, American sprinter back in the early 2000s, uh, had won a few golds at world championships, things like that. He failed three drug tests for a banned steroid. When they asked why, he said he wasn't taking steroids, but the positive test was from using the penis enlargement supplement Extends. <laughs> so now that do I you have... give him credit for like picking that? Yeah, that I have to respect yeah. because you're picking such an embarrassing excuse that you almost like it's a very bold move. Like whoever, if it if it if it is true, then I don't know which I'd rather have the embarrassment of taking a penis enlargement supplement or just accept the fact that I was cheating. I'm not sure which way I would have rather had it. But equally, if it's not true, you have to admire that like he would have been sitting there with his lawyers and you know his various advisors. And one of them would have been like, don't worry about it. I've come up with the perfect excuse. And he's like, oh, great. He's like, there's these supplements you could have been taking. And for sure, this could explain the positive test. He'd be like, perfect, give it to me. And he's like, penis enlargement. <laughs> you needed your penis to be bigger. You've been taking supplements and that's why you failed it. And you had to like imagine the look on his face as he slowly assessed the situation in his life and was like, this is the best possible excuse I have. I got to go with it. 
Maybe he already had a massive penis and he just wanted one even bigger. Like if he had come back and said that, that would have covered the embarrassment. He wanted to break more world records. Yeah. <laughs> or maybe he says like, I think technically I, 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 was, I was speaking to some members of the Olympic committee and they said that if my penis crossed the line first, it would actually count. <laughs> so my theory was if I could have, if I could have a 30 inch penis, even if I wasn't the fastest man on the track, I could actually win gold. He wanted the Stradivarius strut. Yeah, he looked at that. He was like, wow. <laughs> got to get me one of those. <laughs> I need so, swag like that. So I've got another sprinter one. Uh, this was in the late 90s. Uh, Dennis Mitchell. He had won NCAA championship world record gold medals. He tested positive for high testosterone levels. His excuse was that the night before... He had, quote, enjoyed five bottles of beer and sex with my wife at least four times because it was her birthday and the lady deserved a treat. <laughs> I mean, that's not an excuse. He's just a boss, right? <laughs> I mean, it sounds like the kind of story like a virgin would tell you when you're like 14 years old. Yeah, <laughs> you know, like I like... had sex 49 times last night. <laughs> no, but I love that it's but... five, no, no, bottles no, no, of, five bottles of beer as if that's some crazy about so just like, but that's the reason why it sounds so stupid because it's also so specific right so it's not just someone being like i had a few beers and i had a lot of sex with my wife last night it's i had five beers and sex with my wife at least four times <laughs> yeah what it's almost like they gave him the options they were like right you can have like 20 beers and sex once or you can have five beers and sex four times like which way do you want this to go he's like Oh, yeah, sounds great the other way. <laughs> like, I'm going to go with that one. So, so now I've got two, of both. two good food ones. These are both pretty good. So the first one is tennis player Peter Korda. I don't know if you know him, Eddie. I had never heard of him. He's from, from the Czech. He got popped for a steroid and claimed that it was for his love of veal, especially veal injected with steroids. And that was the reason for his test. They then calculated it and said he would have to have eaten 40 calves every day for 20 years to match the amount of steroids in his system. So that's a pretty good one. Possible. <laughs> Better than that is Adri Vanderpol, the cyclist, who in the 1980s failed a drug test. Uh, he tested positive for some performance enhancing. Uh, I don't know exactly what it was. He claimed it was because he was eating his father's father-in-law's racing pigeons. So his father-in-law was a competitive pigeon racer and was doping his pigeons and that the cyclist was eating the pigeons that had been doped. And that's why he tested positive. Was he, was he eating the pigeons to punish his father-in-law? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe they were, maybe they were unsuccessful. Was so instead like of putting them down, them down and just like <laughs> ripping into them, just like, just in like the, in the plucking coop, them out of thin air in the coop, just, just like bursting it. into the coop and just like ripping shreds out of them. Well, he said, <laughs> he said he ate his father-in-law's pigeon pie. I mean, that's a double 
that's a double whammy for the father-in-law, right? Because he's having his pigeons eaten, but also then he's getting exposed for a doping scandal within racing pigeons. <laughs> he's really. Screwed. I mean, is that a is that a doping scandal if it's in racing pigeons? It's going to rock the racing pigeon world. I mean, Racing Pigeon Weekly, the magazine I subscribe for, is going to be all over with this. Yeah, I mean, it might not be illegal though, right? They might be the steroids or. In a, or supplements that are allowed in pigeons but not in humans isn't there that isn't there that idea where rather than letting no doping happen you should just allow people to dope as much as they want and that's you just a get different debate for a different day you, you get these hundred meters ran in like 7.8 seconds and it will be oh you saying bolt already dopes so we see we see what that what can happen yeah. when you let someone what, dope chicken nuggets with steroids and well yeah that's for sure yeah so i've got one more and it's the baseball one so we'll ignore all of the steroid era easy ones to get at with Barry Bonds and um, Pettit and all of those. I'll also ignore the Sammy Sosa who used a corked bat and his excuse was it was a practice bat he grabbed mistakenly. <laughs> also is the Roger Clemens when he threw the broken bat at uh, was it Mike Piazza when he was running down first? And his claim was, I thought it was the ball. So he picked up a broken bat and threw it at Piazza and thought it was the ball, which also doesn't make any sense because he threw it at him. So either way, he's throwing something at him, whether it's a ball or a broken bat. But the one that I think is the best is the Melky Cabrera one. And this was not recently, but within the last 10 years. I don't know if Eddie remembers this one. Not off the top of my head, no. So, so Melky Cabrera failed a test for performance-enhancing drugs, and he then proceeded to have an elaborate scheme where he paid someone $10,000 for them to create a fake website that sold fake products, and then he told the MLB that he mistakenly bought this fake product off of the website. But then the FBI or whoever was investigating just quickly went and found when the website was created and who it was created by and determined that Melky Cabrera had made this fake website to make up this whole story to try to legitimize it. But he, it was pretty crazy to the point that they had even faked like various emails back and forth and money exchanges like they tried to do it. But the easiest thing was they just traced back to when it started and found that he was completely lying. Yeah, that feels like one that was going to get caught out straight off the bat. Yeah, but that was a pretty good one. Just some other funny ones in general, not drug-related ones. So Vinny Testaverde in his rookie season threw 35 interceptions, and he claimed it was because he was colorblind. <laughs> Which would hold merit if he then that season had just become colorblind, but he played his whole career being colorblind, and yeah. he was great in college. So like, what's the difference? What I love about players. that is, like the first two interceptions, you didn't flag this. <laughs> you weren't like, hey, team, I'm, I'm seeing some real issues with the colors on the pitch. You wait 33 more before you do it. Blackburn had a player who was colorblind and went into, he had to be subbed off. I think they were playing a game in the snow with a yellow ball and it, he just couldn't see anything. He did toy with his eyes then. Another funny one I saw was um, the North Korea women's soccer team lost to Germany 2-0 in the World Cup. And afterwards, the coach 
said the reason they lost is because they had all been struck by lightning at a training match the month before. (laughs) 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 The entire team had been struck by lightning. So they were able to play, but not well enough to overcome a 2-0. I would like to have asked him, like, were they grouped together and it was a single lightning strike? Or was it just rapid fire lightning? Like, kind of Zeus bolting them. Just picking them off one by one. It was the real shot in the arm they needed. This was North Korea? Yeah. Also feels like, I mean, I'm sure he has to make those excuses, right? Because they always lie and say that they've, like when North Korea played Brazil and it was reported back in North Korea that they'd won like 11-0 back in the 2010 yeah. World Cup or whatever that was. But you would have or thought when, that. Or when their leader that, had 11 holes in one in one yeah, round. You would have thought that losing 2-0 to Germany with the North Korea, because Germany are quite a strong side in women's football, you would have actually thought that was a pretty good result. Wait, I may be wrong. It was, Sorry. It was in Germany. I don't know who they played. Okay. And but it was 2-0. It was 2-0. Okay. Was it to a team called Lightning? <laughs> no. <laughs> so with that, should we go to our bet of the weeks and then call it a podcast? Yep. And then you two can start thinking up your creative excuses for why you're why you're both bankrupt. Am I allowed the loan, by the way? Well, we'll I'm not gonna go goes. I'm not gonna go all in. I'm just gonna go ten thousand. I have twenty left. Okay. You're not allowed I'll to do, go all in anyway. I'll do ten thousand. And I'm gonna go back to what we talked about in the Spurs match. Kane might be out. Sun, second in the Premier League in scoring. He's got nine goals. I'm gonna go back to my old goal scoring roots. And I'm going to go with Sun to score anytime. I, I have it as eight to five. I've got it at seven to four, which so. Take it. How much you? 10,000 on Sun anytime, seven to four. Yep. He's got two goals in his last four matches against Arsenal. And they're going to need him. And I will be wearing my Arsenal shoes heavily during that. Oh, so it will <laughs> happen then. <laughs> Actually, that's that's a weird one because the sun goals won't happen, but Arsenal will lose. <laughs> so, cheers. Great. Um, all right, who am I going for? So I've got a five-fold bet, and it pays just over two to one. So it's just money line four teams in the NFL. So it's the Chiefs. Seahawks, Raiders, Vikings. And the fifth leg is Altior in the Tingle Creek at Sandown on Saturday. Now, he's five to six. He's five he, to six? But the reason being, right, is that Ooh. I think it hasn't had a run in just under 300, just over 300 days. It had its first defeat last season, right? But it needs to be said that he massively regrets running it two mile four. This horse dominates two mile. Nichols put it the trainer or the horse. The trainer. The trainer. The horse horse just has huge regrets over there. Why did I do that? (laughs) The trainer trainer has huge regrets. That's a pretty good (laughs) fight. Thank you. 
<laughs> the trainer has massive regrets about not about running it over two mile four because it blemished what is a perfect record. But make no mistakes, even at 10 or 11, maybe turning 11, actually, I'll tell this horse dominates. Um, and I think five to six, if it just comes back to that form, is an absolute steal. So uh, I've got Altior in a Tingle Creek on Saturday. Interesting. Altior was actually, I was going to propose, I was going to do a Frank. I was going to have two bets of the week. And wait, Altior. wait. Oh, can I add Altior to my bet? So you want Sun anytime and Altior? <laughs> yep. Oh, no, okay. no, I don't. I don't want sun anytime. I want sun to score anytime. <laughs> Let me make that clear. <laughs> okay, and LTR to win. Okay. Yes. Um, I am going to. So I'm going to do two separate ones. So I'm going to do twenty thousand on LTR to win. Similar idea. Now, the other reason of doubt, Sam touched on one of them, which is the fact that um, LTR is getting old. And that in addition to that, did lose first time out last season. Now you can, that one gets explained away with the fact that it was running over a distance. It was too long for it and not suited to, and we'll never race it again. That being said, they did also release the video of it going, kind of racing in training against Epitant. And Epitant absolutely destroyed it in the workout. Now, that might not be saying much because Epitant's one of the best horses around, so Altior could have a similar performance and still be far too good for all the horses it's up against on Saturday. But it wasn't the best sign. And also, you have to f- f- factor in that like, in that kind of workout, they'll be going through different things with different horses. So part of the goal might have been to get Altior to come off the bridle and to race against Epitant in a situation where it maybe didn't need to, but you're trying to test it and get it used to kind of racing conditions. So you can't read too much into them. But, you know, Sam's also right. It's raced 21 times. It's only lost once, which was that second uh, last year. Never lost over two two miles. Under. Or, or two or under. Yeah. But fundamentally races over to when I say over two miles, as in like over the distance of two yeah, yeah. miles in almost all its races and has uh, 10 grade one wins. So, and this but is also Eddie, worth. It's also yes. worth mentioning who is racing in that race Politolog, that has a yes. career Politolog. of <laughs> screwing Eddie over. Yes. If there's one true. horse that Eddie would like to punch a, <laughs> a horse in the face for. It it would be... It's a horse that I have much <laughs> history with. Um, and it's also worth noting that Altior has only been a bigger price than this once in its career, which is kind of a remarkable fact in this, it's this 22nd race. And yeah, I was he, pretty shocked that you said four to five. Yeah. But the fa- still, the fact that you've got a horse in 20, what will be 22 races now, and you'd be like, wow, what a big price just a little bit under odds on like even money is, is kind of remarkable, but I'm going to stick 20,000 on Altior to win. And then my other bet is going to be a real classic of mine. It's just going to be a nice favorite money line accumulator, unoriginal, unexciting, but just the kind of thing to win you some money. Hopefully I'm going to stick 30,000 on the Packers, the chiefs, the Steelers, the Seahawks, the Raiders and the Vikings. And that returns 2.03. So it is Altior our first podcast bet of the week? 
the first one we've all ever proposed. Um, as a bet of official bet of the week, yes. Although when it's come to horses in the past, we have had several yeah, horses. But as all bet, three of us. This is like our first bet of the week that it's a part of the, each of our bets. Well, yes. the Saints were last week. No, but but uh, yeah, but no, but like big thing. We've we'll have had some. Yeah. We'll have had some like fairly heavy favorites and stuff at different moments that would have been in for each of us. But yeah, I really look forward to seeing Altio. Another great thing about the horse, by the way, is that when at Cheltenham, as well as when it won the Tingle at Sandown, is that whenever horses come close to it, like they kind of go side to side eyeballing, Altio is just so good at then extending away. It's incredible watching this horse side by side and then just find extra. It's It's such a good horse to watch. No, looking right, forward well, to it. And it's also yeah, kind of cool getting into that that time of the year when there's good jumps racing pretty consistently. I mean, last weekend saw a number of good horses uh, back in action. I mean, it has to be said, we didn't really talk about it, but Envoy Allen raced in Ireland and it looks an absolute machine. I mean, I can't see anything beating it. I can't see anything beating it at Cheltenham. I think if anyone's looking to do... Yeah. Not that it's a bold prediction, right? Because you're talking about a horse that's going to be comfortably favored, but you can just lock it in for a win at Cheltenham, barring mishaps, basically. Yeah, and Epitant looked pretty good, too. Epitant won pretty convincingly. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And Honeysuckle All right. as well. Yeah, and the Tingle Creek for anyone looking up, it's the two twenty-five at Sandown. So on Saturday. All right. So I'm looking forward to that. I'm gonna have to find a way to watch that. I don't know how it's gonna happen, but <laughs> first of all, you're gonna have to wake up kind of early. <laughs> Not that early. Is that six twenty-five for you? I think it's seven twenty-five now. Oh, okay. With the time zone change. Oh yeah, because you don't have Arizona does time. not observe daylight savings time. Oh, you'll have, you'll have upset some listeners there by saying daylight savings time. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> don't want don't want people of all the things we say. Sorry, Anton. Wanna... I'm sorry, Anton. You'll <laughs> <laughs> be all over it for that. <laughs> all right. Then. All right. So, talk to you later, boys. Yeah, see you. Here we go.